11 o'clock comics episode 165 <laughs> what was up with that hey you hey Oh boy. I've been drinking for like an hour. I'm I can tell. I can tell. I'm a little fired up. Wet in the whistle. Tired up. Dude, by the way, Beverly Hills Cop 3 could be one of the worst movies ever. Oh, um, is it as intentionally bad as uh, Bad Boys 2? You know, I, I think it's worse, which is hard to see. Wow. I had assumed I oh, saw it when it came out, but uh, I don't think I ever had seen it until this weekend, and it was it's bad. freaking rough. It, it's no, I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, it was awful. It's not good. Well, it's not good. Do they still use the Axel oh, F song? Because that's about yes. that, that's about a 20% gimme right there. And Just Judge Reinhold is still in it. Oh, okay, yeah. so we're up to 35. Uh, Judge Reinhold. And uh, uh, Bar Takamus is still in it. As no, it's no Alien 3. It's, it's, I mean, it's not what other four Wait, is. Alien 3. It, is Alien 3, that's the, that's the prison one. Yes. It's a horrible travesty motion picture. I, don't, I couldn't deal with the whole Jesus moment. It's a fiction thing. That, that was... I was like, I'm out. So you're not a big fan of the last Matrix movie either. No. I, no oh, no. I hated it. Such promise. <laughs> Shot to shit. It. You know what? Yeah, I, I it's think funny you said that I watched the anim- part of the Animatrix today at uh, my boss's farmhouse. Some yeah. of it's good. Yeah, some of it's all right. Yeah, it had its moments. It's um, it's yeah, I don't know. It's anytime you get the Japanese involved, you know. Oh my things, god! Uh, things kind of go. Wow! Bad. Oh, Jesus! All of our friends in Tokyo listening. <laughs> really? <sighs> One of them. Put your fingers in your three ears and don't listen to Chris. Um, <laughs> hey everybody! It's eleven o'clock. Comics. And I am Vince B, who has no ability for self-moderation at all. None. <laughs> Fucking news bulletin. Yeah. Oh, and, and tonight it will be dark. <laughs> Go. I'm Christopher Nasman. I've been drinking. <laughs> They're talking about tonight it will be dark. I'm David followed Price. By, followed by light. I'm sorry, David. I stepped on you. Oh, you always do. It's new. I know, exactly. Just like, just uh, like and- forum threads, so... And now I'm doing it on Jason. And fresh from down under, I'm Frank Oliver, the kangaroo. <laughs> no, hippity hoppity, you're not Frank Oliver. You are Jason Wood. And this episode of uh, 11 O'Clock Zoo has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can pay far less in retail for your favorite funny books and collectibles, 35 to 75% off selected items in their spotlight sales, and they're good people. Ship them up fast to you at the frequency you uh, determine. And you know what? I'm I'm itching to get to the Summit City part because I have been extremely negligent enlisting the artists that will appear at this you this, have been i have been you know why because i i went uh zach tweeted something about the uh show and he said check out the floor plan and i went and i'm like i'm an asshole for not checking this because <laughs> zach, zach called me this week he's like how much uh how much uh time did you spend putting the floor plan for windy city together and i was like dude a lot and he's like good i feel better i thought i was being anal it's like no it takes well, a lot of work well after looking at the list i felt really bad because there's a lot of our friends on 
on that list, and I have not. Sure. Been, I've, I've been reading straight from what Zach sent me, you know, and that's not good. I should have taken, you know, a little bit of initiative and find out who's there. So, and dot dot dot. Do not forget the Summit City Comic Con is this weekend, June eighteenth. That's Saturday, yes. Mm-hmm. And he's in the well in downtown Fort Wayne at the Grand Wayne Center. Ten bucks will get you in. If you have a kid 12 and under, they get in free with your paid admission. Listen to this. Mike Norton, Tom Scioli, Sean McKeever, Jason Howard, Katie Cook, Gary Friedrich, Kyle Latino is going to be there. Awesome. Andy nice. Jewett. Katino. Dave Wachter, Dirk Manning, Hillary Barda. Oh, my God. Jay Sternitsky is going to be there. Jim Nelson, John Kulsar, Steve Bryant, Jonathan D. Gordon, Jonathan Westhoff. What the hell? Hundreds more. And if I for- forgot anybody close to us, I'm sorry, but I, I was just, you know, cutting and pasting all the names that jumped out at me. And it sounds like it's going to be a ball buster of a show. So get there. www.summitcitycomiccon, two seeds towards the end.com. You got to do this. And www.dcbservice.com because they are the best. They'll get you there. You order a book, you'll get it. God damn I got it. a huge, huge Wamba box coming tomorrow. I can't wait. It's one of these damn uh, five-week uh, five months. Yeah. And so I thought I was getting everything last week, but I got the twice-a-month shipping. And so I'm, I'm jonesing. I'm fiending for a DCBS box tomorrow. By the way, mm-hmm. um, you're not allowed to use Wamba. Why not? <laughs> because it's mine. Oh, it's trademarked fucking no, Vince B? No, it's trademarked Vince B, Jason Wood, and David Price. Okay, so well, you can't, use, you, you can't use the word the. From here on out. The is not a Chris Neesman word. Yes, it is fucking now. <laughs> oh shit. Because I said so, damn it. By the way, we need to have a clunker of an episode this week because I'm feeling the pressure of people telling us how we're on the street with episodes. Not if I can help it. I fucking way. I got a lot of good stuff. If I do say Although, so myself. At this point, we have to, no matter what our episode is, how it turns out, it's going to be healthier than the comic book market. No shit. No, yes. don't, don't. We don't want to go there. Let's talk about what we're drinking. Darkness, despair. Uh, Vince, what are you drinking? Speaking of dark, I'm drinking black and tan. Yummy. Mm. Good time uh, in the can. Uh, Jason, how about you? Uh, I uh, am uh, drinking a Pacifico, uh, which I think I was drinking last week as well. You're on island time. You were. You yeah. were. That sounds uh, good. Mr. Price, how about you? I am drinking Kim Light. What? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. What? It sounded like you honestly got it. Sounded, sounded like you said come light. I was like, I wouldn't be drinking that if I were you. Oh, yours is never light. You like your come heavy. Uh, yes. <laughs> thick. <laughs> thick and stringy. Nobody hey, what are you drinking? Heineken light. Oh, oh see, we didn't we didn't get anywhere near the Heineken. We just got skin light. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So the Heine light, and uh, I got a uh, an oldie but a goodie for me. It's uh, it's it's finally starting to get a little warm around here. Even though, man, it it it. We'll have a couple days where it's hot, and then and then drops into the into the low seventies, sixties, and rain again. So I can't get my summer on at all. Uh, but I'm drinking the Monk's Cafe Flemish Sour Ale. Which is uh, is one of my uh, one of my favorites. It's uh, one that I I describe as a, a beer for wine drinkers, perhaps. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's good. St- it's That's good. It's pretty stuff. cool. It's very floral. 
Um, it's got a lot of a lot of fruit, a lot of vinegar taste to it. So it's uh, yeah, it's one of my. It's actually made with a uh, with a wine yeast, I believe, in the in the fermentation process. Huh. And it's yummy. And Mon- Monk's Cafe makes my favorite. So there you go. Cool. I have thank yous. Oh God, do. I do. <laughs> Suck it. I would like to thank. Remember Matthew Allison? I talked about his uh, crackling good calamity of challenge way back in I think episode one fifty two. Oh yeah, yeah. the web, the web comic with canker. It's mm-hmm. it's just fantastic. Well, get this: the first issue of Calamity of Challenge is printed, and oh my God, does it look beautiful? He it's full color. Heavy cardstock covers. There's a fold out in it. Remember that scene with all the uh, characters talking, drinking beer, talking about Black Sabbath and uh, Cobra Axe is there and the Root Beast. Remember we went over it? That's a fold out. The damn thing tips out of the center of the book. Oh, cool. It's great. And there's some new pages in the back. And uh, there's one cool page, a public service message in the style of the old Holstice Twinkie ads. Who the hell is pinging me on Skype? Well, it's, see, it's like a bad sex moment. We just lost our wood. Oh, uh, no. Well, let me get him. Um, well, let me do, let me, no, because he'll laugh at this. I need him to laugh at this. I will get him. Anyway, he finally got it printed, and I'll tell you, hang on there, buddy. It looks even better than what we saw on the web uh, comics. It, it's a little darker than, than obviously, because there's no light shining behind it, but uh, it looks fantastic. you got to get it. And, uh, Jason, you're there, right? Yes, sir. There's a public service announcement in, in the back. Uh, Rondo, the Calamity of Challenge. Did you get knocked out before I started to get into it? Yes. Aw, oh, damn it. Matthew Allison's Calamity of Challenge is, is printed. Remember the webcomic I talked about? Yeah. With Kang uh-huh. Kang? It's printed. He, got it, he actually got it printed. Awesome. And there, Okay, this is going nowhere quick. Uh, the the uh, public service announcement in the back is Rondo in skateboarding is not a crime, but peeping is. And it's the uh, Rondo's doing uh, skateboard stuff on a half pipe, do they call it? Right. Yeah, and there's these two kids, and they're like, radical, totally radical. And they're like, Rondo, what's the deal? There's that. There's a pyramid out in the distance. Do you think that old, uh, do you see that old guy? He's been peeping at us all afternoon. And it's a pyramid with a mustache pasted on it. <laughs> Come on. And Rondo says, weird, that, that man looks so awful like, like, like our old enemy pyramid. And Rondo goes, hey, pyramid, how's it been going? And then we see a panel of the pyramid with the mustache and no text. It's like, hmm, must be somebody else. That. <laughs> That is gold. So you can get this yourself for $6, I think it is. Yeah, 6 bucks. I think it's like a buck shipping. Head on over to loafdish.blogspot.com. That's loafdish.blogspot.com. And I'm also very happy to uh, report that I am now the proud owner of an original page of Matthew Allison Art. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. You, you, I'll. Well, if you buy the book, you'll see it because it's in there. Such delicate inking. I, you, you know, it because it's reduced. He does them. It looks like at least twice up and shrinks them down. The wow. inking is so friggin' delicate, and the brush strokes are beautiful. And I mean, you could you could see them in the art, but when they're full size, you really get an idea of the work he puts into these things. It's gorgeous. So yes, Calamity of Challenge, Matthew Allison, 
blogspot no loafdish.blogspot.com go and 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 go see and i also nice. got another thing uh forum member jude kill mm-hmm. sent sent me a copy of uh josh bayer he's the uh creator of the awesome uh bam bam and the barbarians over at the blurred book site it's a fantastic webcomic uh what he did was he re- he did a reinterpretation of rom 29 Ooh. Yeah, and and he he did his own comic based on his reworking of of uh, Bill Mantlo's Rom Twenty Nine, and uh, it's fantastic. Uh, it's a limited edition too. I don't think too many of them were printed, and the screen uh, the cover is uh, screen printed. And speaking of screen prints, uh, Jude Kill also sent me a pair of gorgeous screen prints that he did himself on heavy wow. rag on heavy rag paper. They're awesome. I, I, I have a Jude Kill original as well. He's really good. I mean, the, the one of them is uh, uh, the Ultra Brothers, Ultraman, and it looks like Ultra Seven fighting uh, a horde of kaiju. But the other one is a trio of Mego dolls, mm. Thing, Conan, and Thor. And and the Thing was my all-time favorite Mego doll. I don't know how he knew, but I'm that showing one your I'm, age here, dude. That one I'm, I'm <laughs> having uh, matted and framed. And I'm gonna hang it up on my wall. Migos are like historical references to me. They Dude, are. I, I had wow. them. I had them all. Of course you did. I did. I loved them. I used to take off Tarzan's loincloth and put it on Green Arrow. Yeah, I was, bet you did to see what was, was under it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I got to thank Wait, Matthew whoa. Allison. Were the Migos anatomically correct? <laughs> no, and I I hope not. No, and I got to thank uh, Jude Kill for sending me that stuff. They bless you both. There you go. So what's up? What you doing? You guys better take the wheel because I got more stories. Dude, it sounded like you were overflowing. You said Chris wasn't going to let you talk as much as he wanted I'm to. I'm telling you, I had a hell of a weekend. Yeah? You want to hear about it? Cracking, you know? Oh, no, but you are not. G- guess who I met this weekend? Uh, Harvey Picar. No, <laughs> no. Uh, f- one of the uh, Filipino invasion artists. Tony no. Zuniga. You're close. Rudy Nebris. Oh. oh, I friggin' met Rudy Nepers this weekend. That's pretty there, dope. There was a uh, was he a, shopping at the Jewel? No, there was a convention at the oh. uh, a local college, the the Scranton Comic Book Convention, and I wasn't gonna go. It was Scranton. Only, it's a comic book convention. I, I, How can you not go? I, I, you know, there's so much to do on the weekends. Like, I got more grass to cut than I want to admit. But anyway, so you gotta I, go I was, garage is that, sales. Is that code for something? No, I was looking at the flyer and I'm going through it. And there's some people there I wouldn't mind seeing, but then I came to Rudy Nebris and I'm like, shit, I am there. Like so, yeah, uh, three bucks to get in. Come on, and hilarious. Uh, I brought uh, my bound edition. Of um, continuity comics because he did a lot of work uh, for for, sure. yeah. for Neil Adams and uh, I showed it to him and he's like, "Where did you get that? Is that official? Is that like a continuity thing?" I said, "No." I told him about um, library binding. Yeah, library binding. And 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 when I told him how much I, it cost, he was he could not he was incredulous. He could not believe it. And he's he's he said, "Oh my God, that's beautiful." I said, "You want to see beautiful?" I flipped it open to uh, the fourth issue of Armor. That's the one. Remember when they they combined armor and Silver Streak? I think this issue is fantastic, and he inked it. And I, I plopped it open to the the second and third pages, and I, I said, "That's beautiful, right there." I said, "This issue." I flipped when I first got it, and every time I look at it, I notice something different about this issue. So I had him sign it, 
and he signed it in gold sharpie right across one of the panels and then on the the inside front cover of the book he signed the white pages like the the uh you know right before the uh comics library binding used to put two real heavy pieces of uh stocks you know to protect the books mm-hmm. i had him sign that and he was he was all over it and i bought his sketchbook and we just we you know stood there talking for a good 15 20 minutes the man's a, a prince did you exchange a bro hug uh he's he's kind of up there i don't want to hurt him he's he's yeah def- say is he uh he's definitely or? no 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 he's a short little thing really nice guy though he asked me what he said i'm gonna have to call neil adams one of these days and i said uh yeah when you do that tell him to get that batman odyssey thing going because he's dragging his ass on it. and you know what he said ah uh, neil's a businessman Busy working on the Avengers, dude. Leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. Cut it out. Uh, So yeah, I I met Rudy Nebris, and they they had some some good deals. Three for a dollar comics. I bought a bunch of stuff, but I'm walking around, and there's this little kid, about nine years old, eight nine years old, and he's looking uh, furiously paging through this book, and he's his mother's there standing, you know, looking like, when are we going to get out of here? So it's one of the books. That that had a, a huge influence on on my com, comic book reading and collecting. I mean, you can a laundry list of of influential books. Jim Steranko's two volume History of Comics. That uh, Jules Pfeiffer's book, Great Comic Book Heroes. Les Daniels' History of Comics in America. Like I devoured them when I was young. But I, I and and you guys are going to kick me for saying this. I don't think there's ever been a book more influential on on my comic reading habits and art loving habits than stan lee's origins of marvel comics nice that book kicked me in the ass when it came out and i was what was i about nine eight years old same age as a kid uh stan must have hired a really good ghostwriter but oh come on so so the kids the kids paging through the book and he's like oh man this, this is awesome and the mother's like come on so he flips it over and the guy had a sticker on the back and he's like my i don't have enough and she's like well i guess you're just gonna have to find something else and he's she's like come on ma i'll pay you back and she's like i forget his name we have to go so I walked over to the kid. I mean, Uncle I was. Uncle Vince comes over. I, I I didn't want to seem creepy, you know. But that's the book. You know, that's the book that did it for me. So I walked over and I said, "Tell you what, if you promise to read that entire book, I'll kick in the rest of it. Oh. Every you don't have enough. Whatever you need, I'll give it to you." And the kid and the mother's like, "No, you don't have to do that." And the kid did not lift his head out of that book. And I said, "No, seriously, I want to do it." So I, I it wasn't much. I, I gave the kid the money. And the mother's like, thank you very much. And the kid is still going through the book. And that that was nice. the best thing he ever could have done. child's life. No. I, I didn't even care. I didn't want to thank you out of the kid. The fact that he was totally years, engrossed in this book. Years of social awkwardness. No, no, it was worth it. It cost me like 10 bucks. Big uh, deal. No, that's very cool. That's, yeah. very, that, that's awesome. That's and and awesome. my my daughter was with me. She's like, why did you do that? I said, why not? I just mm-hmm. helped create another comic fan. Absolutely. Tiki will love me for this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so there we go. So I, I'm going to stop talking. I want to bogart the entire episode. Oh, wait. Uh, Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I got to grab something and bring it back. It's a thank you. You reminded me of something. But go ahead. Someone else talk. I'll be right back. Chris, talk. I, I'm eager uh, to hear you. Um, I did a, uh, a Don't Miss episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> and I want to talk about a book that came out today. 
that I really <laughs> hope that people check out, and it's called Graveyard of Empires. Nice. I knew it was called. I love you so much. It's a really good book. When and, you put up the, the, the forum thread, uh, bullpenbulletinspodcast.com forward slash forum. When you put up that forum thread, hey, don't miss Graveyard of Empires, I said, I know what Chris is talking about this week. Yes. Well, it, yeah, I only do that whenever it's a book that I don't want people to miss and that's hey. whenever I when I do that show it's about books that I that I think that people it might fly under folks radar and say hey this is something that you you, you definitely want to when I always flip through and check out and hey it's Mark Sable it's Paul Azaceta it's the team from um uh, from Grounded uh Mark Sable wrote Unthinkable he did uh, Two-Face Year One and, and and other stuff and we we know about Paul Azaceta from his work on on Spider-Man so it's a really good creative team and you know, I got to admit, I I I I got a preview copy uh, of this and and read it. Had no idea what the solicit was for it, or you know, the Hollywood pitch, or or whatever. And I got into it, and about you know five ten pages. I'm like, man, this this is just a hardcore real world look at at the war in afghanistan it was uh u.s soldiers at uh basically what would be kind of like a fire base that's um uh i, I forget the 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 now terminology for it and dealing with suicide bombers and taliban and and all of this this crazy day-to-day stuff that happens in in afghanistan and one of the things i loved about it is that it didn't gloss over the boredom that happens in between the life-threatening stuff it it Mm -hmm. made that a part of it and uh and I talked to Mark, and he said that you know the Hurt Locker was was a big uh, you know obvious uh, inspiration for this. That and a lot of other people, servicemen and women that he had talked to, uh, that had, that had spent time in Iraq and and in Afghanistan, and so it really kind of le- it reads like a, a comic book version of the Hurt Locker in a lot of ways, but. At the very end, there is a big supernatural twist that will, you know, uh, turn this into more of an a, an action-packed, um, you know, comic book story. But uh, uh, it was 32 pages of story, and 31 of the pages were some of the some of the best real-world war comics that uh, that I've read. I mean, it was it was it, it was really powerful stuff that you know i don't know if i was enjoying myself reading it but it was really good and i and it's going to take a you know kind of a a a a bigger action turn to it but um really um really skillfully and well done stuff i mean it's you know you 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 hear about you hear about stuff you know in the you know the the two and a half wars that we're fighting right now you you listen to npr you watch the (laughs) evening news and and you hear about this stuff that it's so hard to get the that that real vision of what's going on until it's kind of um put into a dramatic setting uh of some sort but it kind of it made me kind of realize what the day-to-day life is like over there and then and then you add in you know something you know kind of supernatural and crazy and i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to uh, spoil it, but it was uh, it was really really good. It's a four issue miniseries, so if uh, if anyone saw it at their shop and, and was thinking about it, it's um, it, it's a really really good book. Let me get Jason. We lost him again. Oh damn! This is crazy. Hang on, buddy. Okay, here he is. I pre-ordered that, Chris, because it looked too damn good to pass up. Oh, it looks gorgeous. As a set, it's fantastic. Yeah, he is good. Jason, he just got done telling us about Graveyard of Empires. Nice. Uh, I haven't seen As a Set out of that much, but I did. Uh, actually, when we were at uh, Sados Eidos, I read uh, his BPRD trade. Um, oh, 1947? Yeah, yeah, or 46, 46. Yeah, whatever that one was, but the first one that he did was. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, got that uh, some good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah, to it. He's, he's kind of like, uh, think um, Marcos Martin meets Mike Mignola. You know, it's that. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 a it's a much looser, blockier style than Martin, um, but it's it's not as built on uh, on shadow and. Uh, uh, just kind of those uh, chiseled forms as Mignola. It's kind of somewhere in between that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, so. he's got chops. Marcos yeah. Martin going to be doing some Daredevil, by the way. Very exciting. Oh, I'm torn. Yeah, for sure. I'm torn. torn. I, Mark yeah, Wade, I, Marcos I Martin, Daredevil. That's why he's torn, Mark Wade. <laughs> I want to buy it, but uh, I think I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wait for the trade. That's fine. That's, yeah. Just get it however, but that's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Now let's just uh, back it up a little bit because I'm interested. I told you some of mine. What, what were the books that uh, the comics history books that influenced you the most? You history. guys remember? Yeah, comic history books. Uh the the Eisner uh, comics of sequential art. Damn, we lost Jason again. What? Wow. Bums in northern New Jersey. That's crazy. I don't understand why this is. And he keeps calling back. <laughs> well, we're not going to have to try to have this be a corner of an episode. Yeah, I know. No idea, buddy. No idea why this is happening. Now, uh, uh, now you're saying like like prose history? Yeah. Like, like sit down and read the history of comics, comics yes. kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, go back to David here in a second, but uh, uh, for me, it was my my Christmas present from uh, from Wood two years ago. Uh, What's up? Yeah, <laughs> Ten Cent Plague is fantastic. You know ah, this? Yes. Yeah, I still have to read that one. Uh, Men of Tomorrow, I thought was fantastic. <laughs> Dude, um, I, I've never read that. Oh, I've that's got good stuff. I've got it. I, I need to. I need to finish it up. I'm telling you, if you haven't read Steranko's History of Comics, it's more, it's, it's, it's as, as much a history of pulp magazines as it is a history of comics. They're really damn good. Those you oversized uh, Treasury Edition um, black and white histories that he published, geez, it must be like 72, 73 around there. They're fantastic. And there, there's, a, there's a big pulp convention that happens in Chicago every year. Suntress goes every year. I've I've never been. Um but apparently like Steranko will just like show up as like a consumer. He goes to their wow. shop. Really? Yeah. With the turtleneck oh. and everything? Oh yeah, yeah. The turtle <laughs> the, the turtleneck, the um the, the, the toupee, everything. Um I've I've got I've gotta go out there because apparently a bunch of like the old school comic guys go there like every year to shop the show as fans wow 
Yeah. Jason, how about you? Well, check it out. So I get this gigantic box in the mail this week from our good friend, Mr. Tim Rackrich, a.k.a. Freaky Tiki. Wow. Open it up, and there's what looks to be, at first glance, tons and tons of uh, non-bagged boarded back issues. But as I pull them out, they're not back issues. What they are are uh, years and years worth of Comics Retailer Magazine. Oh, cool. <laughs> Which Tim has been, I guess, uh, collecting for a long that, time. And he thought, funny. giving my propensity to talk about business, that I would get a kick out of it. So he sent me, like, I don't even know how many issues it is. It's, it's probably like 150 issues of it going way all the way back, you know. So... uh it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I, I like, and so I haven't. I mean, I, I just got that box, so I haven't really got a chance to really tear through it. But, um, but uh, there's something I, I picked just because it was one of the first ones to come by. It was the hundredth issue. Uh, I'm gonna read you something. And, Please uh, do. And and you'll you'll see that the, the more things uh, change, the more they stay the same. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I won't say who who's saying this right now. I'll just read it. The truth is, the collected efforts to bring in new customers have failed. Readership continues to drop, but we're not giving up on comics. This is going to be our biggest, best comics industry. New customers are our mission. The real plan is to produce a new line of comic books with new readers as the target. We're very aware of the dilemma. Loyal fans love continuity. They've earned the right to be the comics club members. They are very interested and invested in stories that relate to this continuity. If you lose continuity, you lose the 40-year customers. But a very good core market comic book, almost by definition, is not going to be accessible to new customers. I think we have the most readable comics on the market, but they're not accessible. So we'll create a new line of comics, starting with... I won't say what. I know what it is. Our fate as a company will be these comics as a bridge to the company as a whole. We will market these comic books like crazy to new readers with 12 million samples. We're not going to hope that kids are going to drift into comic stores. We'll hook kids on our line and then move them to the stores. The idea is to have readers get hooked on these titles, then to make them regular readers, and then move them over to our main line of complex continuity. The plan would be, of course, to continue both lines. We think we can do both. This summer, our partners will offer 3 million copies of a new direct-to-market comic book, Coinciding with our new movie release, it's an entry-level comic book that will be distributed by our partners and Toys R Us. Toys R Us is developing a distribution plan now, which involves our new line as it develops to some basic imprints like so-and-so, so-and-so. Uh, and it goes on from there. So can you guess who I'm talking about? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, I'm, and I think I'm, gonna, I think I'm wrong. Is it, is it Jim Shooter talking about New Universe? See, that's what I thought. But oh, that movie guess. thing at the end, that trips it up. Yeah. Right um, on the back. I, it's, go ahead, David. It's, see, uh, part of me wants to say um, Mark Alisi and CrossGen. Oh, that's good, too, because it's about, that's the right time period. Yeah, it is uh, Bill Jemis talking about Marvel Ultimates line. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Uh, oh, uh, my God. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Well, yeah. You know, think about it. Not very different. The only difference is DC is changing its existing continuity. But you know, comic books are they? trying are to they? Uh, new customers. You know, trying oh, to find new channels to bring them into the stores. You know, and that was uh, this was from um, July two thousand. Wow. You know, and 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 honestly, they did a pretty 
damn good job. I mean, they almost they almost pulled it off, and it was it, they ended up uh, hanging themselves with their own continuity noose with it. But hey, man, uh, Ultimate Con- when Ultimate Spider-Man number one came out, that was about the time that I was coming back to comics after having been away for a few years so it wasn't because of that it was because i wandered into a store and uh actually started buying witchblade well hey. the other, so here's the other <laughs> thing about this inside this magazine are some uh, lots of stats you know and these are stats that really weren't on the interwebs because they're before i guess most people follow this stuff sure. and they have the uh market share for the retailer market uh in here so remember now this is in this is July Marvel's introducing a new line saying they're not giving up on comics and they're going to re- come come out of this reborn. Well, that month the market share for the top 300 comics 40% market share DC, mm-hmm. 31% Marvel. Wow. That was about Ooh. the time of the bankruptcy, right? Yep. Yeah, DC yeah. was uh, you know the top of the heap. Marvel needed felt like they needed to do something drastic and well, 11 years later it certainly worked. I mean, yeah. so Mm-hmm. Um, the other cool thing is in yeah. in the side box of this uh, this article about the Ultimate Universe is a Marvel and Artisan Entertainment have formed a joint venture to provide productions to be distributed via movies, TV, and the internet. Of the 15 Marvel characters to be developed, 10 have been made public. And this is where it gets wacky. Ant-Man, Black Panther, Captain America, Deadpool, Iron Fist, Longshot, Morbius... Mort, the te- the dead teenager, Power Pack, and Thor. Power Pack would make an awesome movie. Yeah, yeah, oh, I remember yeah. Rumbles. Yeah. That, well, that, well, that was when our artists and Marvel were. Yeah, it, it was before before Marvel Studios, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then the on the adjoining page is a full page ad for CGC slabbing. <laughs> CGC is the future of comic book collecting. It's, oh, it's awesome. It's very very timely. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. it's pretty crazy. It's, uh, this book was edited by uh, John Jackson Miller, who yeah. uh, is actually the guy that writes the Comicron website that I reference a lot in my iFanboy articles. And he um, he also writes Star Wars comic books these days. Um, and Brian Hibbs' Tilting at Woodmills column is in here, too, I guess, before he had it on the Internet. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Very hey, Jason, cool. I have a complimentary quote, and I, and I also want you to tell me who said this. Okay. This is timely, though. This was written. Um, it's It's current. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Publishers and bookstores may be crying doom because of shrinking venues and revenues. And gee, they couldn't possibly have brought it on themselves through lack of experimentation and sales practices that killed mid-list titles, concentrating all their efforts on bestsellers on which they have to do profit-killing deep discounts. But that doesn't mean that this isn't a golden opportunity for creators to seize control of their own destinies. Who said that? John Byrne. I don't know. You, Alan oh, oh, man, are you close? Peter David. Said oh, that in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Close his, and like opposite world. Right. But, well, uh, I mean, they're associated, though. Uh, <laughs> oh, he yeah. said that in his new uh, "But I Digress" column, and that's my segue okay. because David and I, I think, uh, have been subscribers to Comics Buyer's Guide for a long time, right, David? Absolutely. And the past. With the advent of the internets, it's been a slow decline. It's it's like watching a yeah. once beautiful body decompose before your eyes. I mean, the magazine is a shadow of the mighty publication it once was. Uh, you agree with me, right, David? Absolutely. 
That's why I was so surprised when I got Comic Spire's Guide 1680 in the mail. Because if every issue was like this, this magazine would be selling gangbusters. They, knock, they knocked it out of the park with this. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you a short little uh, burst of what's in here because I want you to buy it. It's really, really good. It, it A very admirable issue. It's really well constructed. There's a, an article called When You Wish Upon an Archive by Michelle Nolan, and she goes through all the Golden Age uh, reprint collections she would like to see, like uh, Lev Gleason's Daredevil and Crime Buster, uh, the uh, standard uh, Nador comics of the 40s with Black Terror and Fighting Yank, with a little Alex Schomburg thrown in. That's never a bad thing. She talks about Fiction House, quality comics with Black Hawk and Plastic Man, Sheldon Mayer, and more. There's an article in here called Remember These Publishers? This was the best part of the magazine for me by uh, Captain Comics, Andrew Smith, where he showcases buried treasure from Atlas Seaboard, Capital, Continuity, Eclipse First, CrossGen, Innovation, Now, Malibu, Claypool. I mean, he, there's a, he goes through all... The uh, defunct publishers, well, not all of them, but the lion's share of them, the, the more popular ones. And, of course, he goes into Shooter with the, the trifecta of Valiant, Defiant, and Broadway. And, and not only does he say, you know, these publishers were good, he says, why? He'll go through, he'll paint the picture with historical brushstrokes to tell you, uh, you know, the whole Heroes World thing and Malibu, how Marvel scooped them up, not for their content, but for their coloring department. You know, so uh, it, it's a really neat article. There's a, a cool piece by Craig Shutt on the uh, almost forgotten Harvey Comics heroes. Remember B-Man, Spy-Man, Jigsaw? <laughs> and uh, he dropped some names like Archie Goodwin, Al Williamson, Wally Woods, Duranko. Tony Isabella has a great summer reading list. Awesome. It, 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 it's an issue that makes you wonder, why can't they do this every issue? They would have no competition from the web. If if this is the kind of yeah. content they 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 kicked out every single is a monthly right? It's yeah. not a week. Yeah, yeah was, monthly. monthly. Yeah, it's a fantastic issue. It's amazingly well done. I, I can't tell you the last time I got a CBG and actually sat down and read the whole damn thing That's cover all. to cover. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> it's I no I mean it I I missed on and I, you're right. It if they if they did a magazine. Like the one you're describing, they wouldn't have to compete with the web. The web is where you get your most recent, up-to-date news. I don't know. I really don't visit websites to read articles about so much about comics history and and past. I buy CBG for that. Would I would read, right. you know, Ask Mr. Silver Age and and and. But I digress, and I would read those columns in a magazine. I wouldn't go to the web for that and if, if maybe if they kind of focused on that then I'd like to see them I just I, I want I, I like knowing that CBG is out there yeah and, and to tell I, you the truth I got a bunch of renewal notices every every month I seem to get one and yeah. every time it comes I throw it in the garbage and I tell yeah. the wife says don't you want that and nah, I don't think I'm going to renew after this issue I'm probably going to yeah see alright I got it then when the next one comes, I'll probably because it's cheap. It's like what twenty twenty two dollars. It's that. It's yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, it may even be like eighteen, but it's um. I know, and see, it's it's weird. Speaking of magazines and and 
digital or the internet. I um I it's been it's it's been a while since I used the word I like what I'm use the words I like what I'm seeing and from wizard in the same sentence. <laughs> and I I received an email uh Sunday letting me know that at Wizard World the latest issue of Wizard World is, is available online or through your iPad and the last thing I'm going to do is spend money on Wizard, so I'm going to fire up the iPad and, and, and install the Wizard World app because it's free. And I'm figuring it's going to be like all the other all the other uh, magazine apps where the app is free, but if you want to actually read anything from it, you're buying the magazine. And uh, so I'm hesitant to click download when I, when I see that every week, every Sunday, they have a new issue out and and it's uh it's anywhere from um 30 to maybe 45 pages and it, before i click download or tap download on the ipad i go to the website because you can download a pdf or read it via i, I pronounce it issue issue or issue or or you can read it on your ipad so after i notice that pdfs are free and and uh, I go to the app. I download a couple of issues there. There are a total of twelve as of now, every Sunday, and um, and it's it, it just seems to be quick little well, little quick fire snippets of whatever wizard deems hot at, at that particular moment. The first issue. Oh, that's that dangerous. Well, the, the first issue they they talk about who is Jake Ellis. Recently, they had a uh, they, they had an an X Men special issue where they talked about First Class, and of course, they have you know who who they would rank as um, who they would want to see on, on an X Men team or their X Men All Stars. And and there's an X Men. Every issue has a price guide, and it, it's it's pretty much it's a themed price guide where it could be about the X Men one issue or Bronze Age issues and and a they had a pretty nice, actually, I think it was issue um, maybe 13 or, yeah, I think it was 13, where um, it, not only was it featuring the big Apple Con-Con, which I just kind of went through quickly, but when I got to the Bronze Age article, that was that was pretty good reading. And, uh, and I was not real wowed at first because as I'm looking through the first issue, of course, there's the what I would consider typical wizard humor, where you see somebody reading. You don't see the person reading it; you just see them from the knees down because they're on the toilet with their laptop on the hamper, and that's how they're reading this oh issue. I'm like, okay, yeah, so okay, so we, you know, the more things change. So, but the classy girl issue issue sixteen, where it's it's a Green Lantern special edition. It looks like they kind of may. I don't know. I'll find out. No, I'm sorry. Fifteen is where I noticed this the first time. They they kind of change things up a little bit where they do like a top twelve or, or, or their top twelve, um, what they consider to be the um, the big deal, like basically the top twelve things that are that that they loved this week and um, and it was uh, the twelve items were uh, Halo mini mates. Um, Alice's Arsenal, Graffiti Spray Can, 
artists, uh, Doctor Who superfans, G.I. Joe comics from IW. Uh, 50 Girls 50 was uh, the book of the week. Really? Boys, yeah. That's what I'm saying, see? Wow. Um, yeah. Predator Toys, uh, they, they have a feature on um, oh, the seven spiritual laws of superheroes. They have a... Um, that does sound pretty cool. Uh, dude, it, it's... Um, the first it's three. had a, uh, I remember, had a feature on favorite webcomics and had Julian's ants in there. Damn. So I didn't finish the first issue. That's awesome. And they also have uh, created a watch, Cullen Bunn. Um, Excellent. The, the, the top eight things they're looking forward to with Super 8, uh, the return of the action RPG. So, I mean, it's, it's and, and, and Kotu statues. But, um, yeah, it's, I was surprised. And, I mean, as, as far as it being free, I mean, you, you can say you get what you pay for. But I am not, um, I'm not looking to delete this app. Really is is what I'm saying. It's, it's I guess oh. that's the best I can say about it. But it's, I'm, I'm going to install um, that. I I would recommend it. I, I really would. And it's it's not. I mean, I said I haven't bought an actual issue of of the paper magazine in in years, and I just I don't think I'm. It's just like MTV. I'm really not the demographic they're after anymore. So I can get my information elsewhere. Right. But I mean, to pass the time, if I'm looking just to to, to read something quick or and because I mean they 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 they're, they're still you know making those not really juvenile jokes. I mean, they'll say something about how, like, you know, X-Men First Class is like a Snickers bar because it's just jam-packed with like, like peanuts. It's jam-packed with stars and things like that. And it's, so it's little things where I kind of maybe groan here and there, but for the most part, what they're trying to get across, the information that they're putting out there, I, I think is, is, is worth a shot. And now the, the weekly content is called Wizard World? Yeah. That's yeah, so when you fire up when you fire up the app, you uh it'll show you what issues are available and then you just click download and as and, and That's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, whenever Jim Shooter encounters Garib Sheamus at a convention, I really hope he's given him like multiple reach arounds because <laughs> I'm I'm I've been convinced for years that the majority of the success that Valiant reaped was because of Wizard. Oh, I mean, not yeah, not, just, not saying that yeah, their books weren't good. Their books no, were great. But, but yeah, but that, I mean, that was. I mean, you could say whatever about you know a book in Newsarama, you know, six years ago or five years no, ago. Well, no, Wizard was hugely influential. They sold a lot no, of magazines well, that's, that's back in the day. You know, saying, it's, yeah, that was just that was one of the big marketing tools at the time when when Valiant was coming out. So of course. Yeah. yeah, and but for them, for Wizard to say this is cool, and it be a superhero mainstream title is one thing, but we all know how hard it is for independently produced any kind of comics to find an audience. And Wizard says, "Okay, Solar Number One is cool. Buy it." And then you see, wow, this thing sold out. And then you know whatever the next Valiant was, I think Magnus was this. No, was it Magnus or was it whatever it was? It just seems like every month Wizard. Wizard's pick was a Valiant book, yeah, and you hot. saw what happened. Yeah, they were yeah. extremely hot for a time. Yep. There you go. See now that's and that one of the amazing heroes you gave me for for Christmas, Vince, has an editorial by Kim Thompson where they kind of, I guess they kind of pick on Comics Buyer's Price Guide yeah. uh, for April, June, nineteen ninety, and apparently. 
Fantagraphics, who publish neat stuff. Uh, they, they published Neat Stuff number one in 1985. It sold out sometime in 1987. Um, then you have, uh, let's see. Now, the CBG price guide has Neat Stuff listed with a market value of two and a quarter in mint condition. Critters began in 1986. Many of the early issues featured Stan Sakai's Usagi Yojimbo, who yep. at that time was was growing a cult following. Uh, in fact, the CBG price guide lists Critters number six featuring Usagi as being worth $10. And, you know, actually that, that would make sense, but the problem is, and since Kim Thompson works for Fantagraphics, he would know this, um, Critters number six never went out of print. They have copies in the warehouse as of this writing. They can be had for $2 a piece plus postage through Fantagraphics, and that fact is advertised in every single issue of Usagi Yojimbo. So yeah, it's right. just, and, 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 you know, the editorial goes on to talk about speculation and, and things like that. And just, you know, if, if, if we say a comic is worth 10 bucks, then, then by golly, you know, then, then, then we're telling you it's worth 10 bucks. And it's, and that's, that's part of my, I mean, aside from the juvenile humor, my huge issue with Wizard is the fact that that Garib's mom owned the comic shop, and and you know they yeah. were looking to, to move books, and they were really adjusting the prices based on what they what I felt. and I really didn't help, and that's and so I'm not. I anyway. well, look what happened with the uh, the death of Captain America issue. They got caught in a kind of uh, yeah, exactly. buy, they, they buying huge amounts of that book yeah. and then yeah. selling them for whatever they were selling them for online. Once it became hot, that, that yeah, you can't knock them for trying to make a buck. But then uh, on the flip side, if if you want to be a well-respected comics news magazine, the price yeah. guide's kind of kind of tacky. Yeah, you know, it's not about the the prices; it's about the content. But that's just my opinion, right? I agree with you. Woods being awful quiet. No, I'm just listening, dude. You guys are you're spouting truth. I like to listen to truth. <laughs> you do? Love it. She does. I I think there's a book that we all read, right? I think so. Uh Chris, I I think you read it. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure you did. Um tell me if you've read this. Jason, I I, th- I know you want to talk about this, but I'm going I'm just going to give you the setup. And this is very cool. Uh, it, the book takes place in an era where mankind is, uh, really rapidly depleting its resources. Um, as, as a result, uh, industries in decline. You have these rolling blackouts sweeping across the globe. So it's a work uh, of fiction. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> uh, and humanity is in dire need of new energy sources and, and, and quickly. Uh, but since the solar system in this fictional universe is lacking in sources of food and oil the the population has to seek beyond the uh, solar system uh, to the stars themselves there's only one problem interstellar travel takes a whole mess of time uh, time the people of this earth do not have but luckily someone has invented the FTL drive the faster than light drive but there's a problem with that too see Implementation of this drive kills all living things attached to it, with one exception. Women with three X chromosomes, oh, of, okay. of which there are only 50 on Earth. 
Yes, we're talking about fifty girls, fifty, and we. Oh, so yeah. we all we we all oh, read yeah. it, right? Yeah, I, read you, it. I, I thought it was fantastic. I I expected it was fun. No, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, but see, the thing is, when you see Frank Cho's name on a book and you see big titty, big, <laughs> big booty women, you're thinking, okay, Frank's in his comfort zone. And, and you know, he kind of is in this, but at least there's a logical reason why this book is populated with nothing but women. Yeah. It, I, thought, I thought it was pretty brilliant. Oh, I did too. I, mean, I talked about well, it. Well, I, I, think, I, think, I think brilliant might be going just a step too far it's it's a it was a really fun pop corny book it's i with a purpose it, it, it was fun i i i enjoyed it but I, I, brilliant might be you know making you know a a little bit of a reach well it's definitely sexy time yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, um, it's sure yeah it's yeah we should uh, set uh, it up a little bit i mean it's uh yeah. it's written by frank joe and doug murray Yes. Who are uh, longtime collaborators? They they did the Jungle Girl stuff together. Doug Murray of uh, of the Nam fame. Yes. Um, so, uh, but the cool thing about this book for me wasn't even so much the issue itself, but um, seeing in print something that I thought was awesome. When I guess it's almost been two years, uh, Doug and Frank had an online contest. To find their yeah, artists had, for this, has it been like two? I remember like yeah. last yeah. summer, yeah. Yeah. maybe it's a year and a half. Yeah, and I remember we all paid. You know, we all were. We posted on the forums and we we watched the the progress. At least I did intently, and it was amazing to see. I mean, they had dozens, if not, you know, I mean, it was at least forty, fifty submissions, and and I think it, they they provided the first eight. They provided eight pages of script from the first issue, right. um, and I think Frank provided some layout instructions. And they were to, uh, it was an open competition for anyone on the interwebs to post their eight pages of sequential art that matched the script. And it was just fascinating to see the different approaches to the same script. I mean, it was just yeah. awesome to see. And I remember at the time, um, you could chime in for who you thought were the best. And, and they, you know, they said right out they weren't going to necessarily use it wasn't a voting thing but you know they were curious to get the feedback but they would ultimately pick who they thought was the best and um Axel Medellin is the win he won and then he's he's the artist in the book um I, re I remember thinking his was one of the five best and uh uh it's it's pretty cool to to because I'd almost forgotten about that whole thing until this book comes out but uh uh yeah it's super super it's you know it's almost the the women are drawn almost just they're a little more exaggerated than Frank even would right. do, I think. I mean, they're they're almost like the Bud Root Al Rio scale, I think. <laughs> but okay, but yeah. no, their breasts are not as big as Bud Root. But no, yeah. <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm saying. They're not they're not quite to that. But but they look like they're more evocative of like something you'd have seen in heavy metal than something you'd well, seen. Especially in with the planet they land on. All the planets. Oh my God! It's it's, it's making our plastic spacesuits evaporate. We just keep getting more data. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then they're in these little Tarzan Jungle Girl <laughs> Love outfits. It. And then you know you totally. I mean, it's tons of tons of ass shots. Yeah. Um, but the the, the th for those who haven't read this, the thing that David's uh, alluding to is the uh, the fifty girls are returning on their celestial. Uh, quest and it appears that their calculations are wrong because when they come back to Earth out of warp, 
the planet that they're orbiting is not Earth. So they decide to drop down to the planet and and check it out and they encounter this substance or i think it's something having to do with the entire planet it does not tolerate plastics and if it just breaks them down and wouldn't you know it their ship their their spacesuits like everything they have in their possession is made out of plastic and and our girl oksana bacula happens to trip and fall and gets covered in this ooze and her spacesuit just starts to progressively get smaller and smaller and smaller. I, I don't know. I just had a, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it I was, thought it was a lot of fun. And um, smart. And polished, too. Yeah. I, mean, it, I, I mean, yes, I know, obviously, it's an image book and Frank Cho's really not going to put his name on something that's not going to look good, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a slick-looking first issue. Yeah, it is. And and, uh, and and they, and I like the tease. I, I like I yeah because we have we have the whole. And I know you're not a big fan of of the image, but you know we have we have this one action packed issue, and 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 these two of the women are that are on this planet are just trying to survive, and then giant bugs. We, we get to the we get to the end of the issue with 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 the epilogue, and and you turn the page, and it's like okay, now we're kind of going. And I just like how we're. They added something else. It's not another so layer. They, yeah, they have to. Yeah, I mean, we know they have to get home, but now where the hell did this come into play? Yeah, and, and what does and it mean? going to play out, right? Exactly. Right. And and why did whatever that is survive the warp jump? So you know, whatever it is has to be maybe female, I guess, right? With three X chromosomes. Oh or, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or but maybe no, it, it was, just it was doesn't. Or is it, or is it, it, or is it in her head? Could be. Yeah. She could be. She'd be crazy. Yeah, she is Russian, right? Or Croatian? Uh, she is uh, Serbian. Serbian. Okay. Yeah, Oksana. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was. It was pretty damn cool, and I. I very much appreciated the um, not so subtle uh, lesbianism. That, that <laughs> was not so subtle. <laughs> <laughs> my my one nit on the book is the coloring. Oh really? Yeah, I thought it made it look a little bit. Uh, it, I thought the coloring was a little bit uh, lacking nuance. A little garish? Yeah. Is that the word? Li- right. I mean, just a little bit too... There wasn't. A, it wasn't a very complimentary palette. I think the problem is the color of the planet, because if you look at the pages, thinking, the, in, yeah. the interior of the ship, um, there's very subtle stuff going on in the in the like the light reflecting from the view That's screens fair, yeah. in the characters. It may be the the this. I mean, it's almost a monochromatic planet. It looks all orangey and yellowy, and yeah, yeah. So maybe that could be it. Wait until you see uh, Hulk. 35 is it the second <laughs> really? the, the second pan, uh part of the planet red hulk it makes this i mean it's the coloring is eye searingly not good yeah so uh, yeah and, and, and again it may be a problem with the planet because it has the planet that the red hulk is on has purple skies and mm-hmm. the, you know so it just may be a bad color choices i don't know but right. yeah you're right the it, it, there are parts of this that the color could have been tweaked a little bit. You're right. I, I, yeah, I have to agree with you. It's not bad. It's just it nothing noteworthy. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, now, we may want to table what I was going to bring up next for another time, but since you mentioned uh, monochrome, um, it made me think of this book. I read it two weeks ago, but I 
hadn't, didn't, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, so I thought I would bring it up. And if you guys haven't read it yet, we can just come back to it. But um, I at least wanted to tip my cap to um, – they were my runner-up for publisher of the year last year. Uh, and they're the little engine that could, and that's uh, that's Chris Pitzer and, and Adhouse. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talk about their pretty much everything that they've they've done at least the last year or two. We've we've talked about in some some measure on the show, and 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 uh, their latest was in my last DCBS box, which was Even the Giants by Jesse Jacobs. Um, I don't know if any of you guys read it, ordered it. I have not read it yet. Have not. Did you order it though, Vince? Or I, I bought it. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess I'll wait for you to read it before we do no, deep no, dive. No, 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 no. Something that you will, uh, you will want to probably spend an hour talking about till late rally. Um, but it's, um, I'm pretty sure it's Jesse's first graphic novel. I think some of the actual work that's in here appeared in a, another, um, either a web, web based thing or something. Cause, um, I just, I happen to remember reading something about it to that effect, but, um, it's a monochromatic, it's not what well, I don't. This is me not being an artist coming into play. It's not monochromatic, but it's um, it, it's basically a very uh, it's it's like an aqua aqua teal blue, black, white, and a little bit of gray tones. But the only color outside of black, white, and gray tones is this aqua blue. Yeah, it's um, one color. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's a really it's not a book with a narrative that you can really get into. It's very much an artistic book, uh, explore, you know, sort of his exploring different themes. Um, I, I would say there's a, there's an overarching visual narrative, which is that it takes place in an Arctic setting. I, I don't know that I would call it like the North or South Pole because it's there's lots of stuff going on that wouldn't happen on our Earth. But there's there's uh, there are Eskimos. There's uh, um, like a uh, what's the word like a Siberian husky type dog I mean so, so there are earthen animals and the like but there's also uh, two giants um, very freaky looking uh, almost like kaiju looking giants but they're very gentle one is covered in black fur with a little bit of white dots the other is white almost to the point the way the book's drawn that I thought at first that the white giant was um, like a ghost you know, like the black giant was seeing it was like a ghost or something, but in fact, I think it's just a white-colored giant of its same. They're like mates, and um, the book just takes a, a lot of different looks at sort of the cycle of life, um, and uh, it's 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 definitely a book where the visuals are the strength of it in the sense that um, this reminded me of a lot of um, our, uh, our 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 bottomless belly button uh, buddy. You know, um, oh really, Dashaw? Yeah, it, it uh, not. Whereas Dashaw, I think, plays a little more, almost has a more scientific approach to a lot of the stuff he does. Definitely, this I don't think was a scientific, but certainly a lot of the, uh, a lot of the same visual cues. It still reminded me of, um, you know, mm-hmm. playing with the page layout and and the shape and the way you're supposed to read a page and. Um, the you know the way you could use similar themed objects or similar objects and put them in different forms on different pages and evoke a whole different sense, um, but uh, it, it's it's impressive. The weird there's a little weird thing about the book though because I would say that maybe eighty percent of the book is this ongoing familiar uh, setting of this Arctic where all these different things happen, and then every so often there's pages that are. Um, they're called the One Million Mouths pages, 
and they really as unless I'm I may be missing something, but I don't see that they have any correlation to the rest of the Arctic theme story. They're just sort of like vignettes that he tells, mm-hmm. and they're just wacky. I mean, they're they're uh, I they're just each one is completely different visual aesthetic that somehow involves some kind of mouth shape. Like there's one of them is called Human Park, all one word, and it's um it's basically a gigantic humanoid being where you it's almost like a a, a theme park for people and and it shows the the brain and people are pointing at the brain and there's people inside of the mouth pointing at the tongue and then there's people climbing up a ladder and looking at the heart sliding down the rib cage you know it's just almost him just taking the time to draw something he thought was cool i don't know that really has much message beyond that i love stuff like that yeah Yeah, that's what i'm saying you would love this there's another one where it's like called the um uh, it's called the, uh, the the Robo Double Lil Sandwich Shop. It's another one million mouth thing, and it's uh, two squarish, almost not quite Modoc like, but like robotic things, sort of half human, half robot. And uh, it looks like the one has got a scooper of gumballs. The other one's got uh, almost like a rolling pin, and it's just again, it doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the story. It's the the one saying to him, "Look, kid, I've I've been in this business for a long time, and it's always been about the salt." And then the other guy says, shut up, salt. You've poisoned the nation long enough. The future belongs to freshly ground pepper. You know, so it's like a salt pepper shaker, <laughs> but drawn as like giant robots. Uh, it, you know, again, sort of just out there stuff that I think he's just having fun with versus that there being any sort of deeper meaning. Um, so it was really interesting juxtaposition of these little pages that kind of told their own little vignettes. And then all of a sudden you get back to this, frankly, very tender uh, story uh, where I think the giants uh, or these giant monsters are ultimately I think the if there are stars of the book are the stars um, and uh, they they in the beginning of the book there's a lot of things that things that are dead or dying or killed and then at the end it kind of takes you on a journey to where the the giants who do some of the killing and eating because they're giants and they need to eat um, at the end have a few moments where they actually unite humans and some other things together uh to be happy you know what i mean because they find each other and are happy and it's so it's just it's very interesting i mean he he clearly is finding his way he's trying to to just throw a lot of ideas into a a visual medium i I, you know again i don't know if if he had a i I don't this doesn't strike me as something that was trying to be just one cohesive you know point a to point b story this is just more sort of a a peak almost like a an art like almost like a, an art book would would be you know just a peek into the some of the things that go on in this guy's mind and mm-hmm. uh i just found it terrific um i i uh i i really uh yeah i just thought it was great i mean the the um again i i don't know much about jesse jacobs prior to this you know chris seems to find these new creators that uh that, uncanny uh, ability to find yeah, to, yeah that need a voice and uh i think he's done it again I, I would be very surprised if we don't see a lot more from from jacobs uh yeah. in the future so, so you you mentioned thought processes thought processes that to me is exactly what those intermissions type things are because when you any kind of cognition is not linear when you're yeah. thinking of something you, you're not laser beam focused on thinking only about this thing because you're smelling things your your skin is reacting with things you, you, there's all this stimuli that's coming into play with this one thought and those pages to me are like okay here you have a creator and he's doing his thing but up oh, his mind just wandered 
and th- I'm putting my DAP hat on here, trying yeah. to ex- explain something that really doesn't need explaining, but it, it's not that David does that. But uh, so you have this page that's a complete tangent, but that kind of when you step back and view it in mass, you're getting the picture of this artist's process, really. And, and yeah, absolutely. That, like they're they're worth their weight in gold to me. I love stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, and and again, they're they're not they're there's no. They look each of these vignettes look different. Like the the next one is a million mouths, all market size, no canners, and it's almost like a poem. It's just because it was free and we're on vacation didn't mean you had to eat so many lobsters. Even with that bib on, you ruined your new summer shirt. Cocktail forks are small. Your mouth is so big. You drilled through those bodies with such purpose, sucking out every piece of tamale and roe. Love it. Your face thickly smeared in butter, sparkled in the hot July sun, as you proudly called for another. I think I saw you eat nine in all. Even the raccoons that got into the shells later that evening didn't make as big a mess as you. Right? So it's like, clearly, he just told a story about eating lobsters, right? So, So That's very cool. Yeah. I got to dive in. Yeah, you'll you'll love it, dude. It's. Uh, I've been trying to mix it up. You're definitely mixing it up lately with with all the indie stuff. Well, you know, got you know it. I don't think I've heard you talk about a Marvel book in three four weeks. I don't except think I've read a Marvel book in three four weeks. Except, <laughs> except for Fear itself, Chris. Do you have anything? Um, uh, I mean, we can chit chat about you know some of the Flashpoint oh, tie-ins. Oh, I know or, what I wanted to say to you. Mm-hmm. Who called it, bitch? Who called what? River Song. Who called it way back when? Did you? Re- yes, I did. Yes, I did. Doctor Who, baby. I T- said. Tip, tip of the cap. Yeah, when, when he was, was doing the scanning and, and her pregnancy was going in and out, in and out, in and out, mm-hmm. I said, wouldn't it be cool if blah, 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 and damn it, that's what happened. Very nice. Very nice. Blah, blah, it was, blah. uh, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was a good, uh, good, uh, good clip. Good cliffhanger moment. I'm bummed because the new episodes won't be on until fall. It was like I was doing weird. Just blah blah blah. We're just getting Sherlock Holmes episodes. Uh, I do. I saw a. uh, Yeah, did he just scoop us? I saw. I saw a tweet from uh, from Moffat saying that he had. He he woke up one morning and recently and had three ideas for Sherlock, and that's three more than he had. when he was making the show, basically. So okay. I, I, I want to say that, yes, we are. Uh, I, of course, being on this side of the water, I, I probably wouldn't be the person to even come up with, with it. But it, it I'm, from what I understand, BBC never expected the show to do anything. They, they, they kind of just threw the three episodes out there. I'm like, okay, you know, here's your time slot or whatever. I guess they kind of just expected it to not do well. And... Mm-hmm. When it did, I think now they might be making sure everybody's on schedule to to come back and do episodes. I'm thinking probably the fall again. I'm hoping. I'm yeah. hoping. Well, Moffat's gonna Moffat's gonna have to be like the the British version of J.J. Abrams and just kind of you know get get a little bit more prolific. Kind of Abrams does everything, but yeah, I mean Moffat's the the showrunner for Doctor Who for at least this season, and I would assume for. Probably another two at least, wouldn't you guess? Hmm. I don't know. I like his uh, I, I like Moffat's uh, uh, Twitter profile pic because it's him between um, Cumberbatch who plays Sherlock on um, uh, Sherlock and and Matt Smith and Matt Smith the current yeah, which, is, yeah, which oh, is man. Fun. You know, but but Davies was the showrunner uh, for one, five five seasons when, of, when it started. Yeah, right in two thousand. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I figure Moffat's got at least two after this, if not three, I would hope. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, the, the season was, it was a little uneven. There there were you know, a couple episodes I was, meh. Are you um, talking about Doctor Who? Yeah. Really? Yeah, See, I thought the I thought the I thought the pirate episode was not the not the best, and I thought the the episode about the flesh could have been a one part. I thought that but, too, but mm-hmm. in in retrospect, I think they needed to really flesh that flesh out the flesh. yeah flesh out the new flesh because if if they didn't, then the thing with River in the last episode wouldn't really have well not River. Um, with, with Amy, Amy really wouldn't have resonated as as strongly as it did. Yeah, I, I thought I I think they could have have trimmed it down a little bit. It hasn't been a perfect season, but it's been it's been, it's been good. Um, I think the second half, starting in the fall, is well. We're going to see. You know, the the, the good man, the good man goes to war, and 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 his lowest point. Even though the good war, the good man goes to war, I think is Rory. Um, but we'll see. We'll see the Doctor's lowest point. And uh, did you see the uh, the name of the of the the next episode in the yeah, fall? They dropped the Hitler bomb. Yep. Yep. Three things. A A I I feel for Jason. I'm sure he wishes now his connection would drop out. <laughs> Seriously, um, dude. Two for real. Two. I I kind of want to talk about it, but I. I I can't because I just I just started the season with um oh, I'm glad. Jones as as his companion. So, you know, D, I just I'm trying to avoid spoilers. Maybe. Yeah, I'm we, I'm glad we didn't drop it. See, I, I was very careful yeah, not to reveal. You're like, it. you're like five seasons behind. I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, uh, that's how, okay. you, how you liking it through the first like season and a half? I I like Eccleston and mm-hmm. I really like and 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 I I Loved Rose as a companion, and and, and it, it 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 killed me. It it killed me in that that her last episode or last two episodes. Not, uh, she's not done. I know, I know, I know. Because every time I go to Netflix to fire up another episode, they they, they tell me you might also be interested in versus the, uh, the 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 master of time or something like that with with John Sim from Life on Mars as as the big bad guy. And I know that the companions from the past come back, so I know she's not done. Right, but um. You got plenty of rows coming up, and I'm, I'm um, and I, I really, really like David Tennant. So, cool. I'm, I'm T- sure. Yeah, T- Tennant. Tennant, I think, is the you know the the doctor for a whole new generation. We'll see. I mean, he, nothing like the Tom Baker run, right? Um, and we'll see. I, I, Matt Smith is really good. I'm glad. Yes, I'm glad. he's very good. Yeah, and they even I, they even worked the jelly babies into it. That was a, yeah. that was I was like, yeah, I was standing up. Holy shit, that is so cool. And it was just like a little bloop. They just dropped it in. They didn't have to do it. Jelly baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's all it, right. It, it's Jason's good. gonna have a have a stroke. Let's talk about comics. Um, Chris, if you don't mm-hmm. mind, I have another image book I want to talk about. Okay. Done by one of the true greats, and I don't care. Anybody can disagree with me. And I'll tell you, you're full of shit. It's by Jim Starlin. Come on, Ooh. who's good? one of the true greats yeah. of of the medium? Uh, it's he he's going back to the well, so to speak, for his uh, breed uh, yes. character. Yes, this is the third miniseries we've seen uh, from Starlin on breed. The first two were published under um, Malibu's Bravura imprint in '94. Yeah. 
and uh, in a nutshell, if you have if you know nothing about Starlin's breed character, this first issue of Breed Three is the book for you because it's a primer of everything that has come before, with new story elements thrown in. In a nutshell, Ray Stoner's mother was raped by a demon. Okay, uh, but not just any demon, but the big daddy head honcho grand Pooba of demons, the 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 head man. Unfortunately, the experience drove his mother crazy, so Ray was raised by a foster family, uh, Colonel Stoner, the man from which he derived his surname. A uh, bunch of time passes. Ray goes to Vietnam, uh, where his beastly other half manifests for the first time. It sends him into a berserker killing rage there's he just his, he turns red and just demons out uh, he's a half breed he's half demon half human uh, but thankfully he eventually finds a mentor in a woman named Rachel who helps him come to terms with what he's become and control his demonic alter ego uh, but it doesn't end well for Rachel uh, she dies Ray discovers uh, a lot about himself and his unholy origins and his father, uh, who views Ray as the prodigal son. He thinks he's going to uh, turn the tables and uh, win out. So Big Daddy sends waves and waves of breed, which are half human, half demon uh, creatures, to destroy his bastard child. That's basically the setup of breed. Uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of cool in in breed. Starlin's not content with just a half demon, half human character. He he um, rips a page from the book of John Ostrander and creates this uh, pan-dimensional place called Elsewhere, where it's like a a meeting of realities, just like Sinosure in in Grimjack. And um, this place seems to be a refuge for Breed. The demons don't want to go there. And there's all these really strange Starlin-esque alien creatures. Um, traipsing around think uh the uh, marvel premiere warlock was it marvel premiere david that he did the warlock i think so I right but remember all the characters that were in that just the starlin has a way with with alien physiology just he has a, a real knack for creating odd looking characters just really mm -hmm. cool characters in the rights and vein and uh, there's all these weird characters walking around so visually it's stunning um, and uh, not only is elsewhere a mystical pan-dimensional city, it's also the only source for this water, this magic water that has really strange healing properties. Like Breed will go out on a hunt slaughtering um, his brethren, right, because they're half demon, uh, and he'll get the crap kicked out of him, bullet holes, he'll get s slashed, he's bleeding all over, and he makes his way back to elsewhere, and the water has re rejuvenation, um, rejuvenative properties, where then, you know, he goes back to the way he was before. And, and in the surface of the water, he sees a woman and, and a child, and uh, the, the child has cancer. And he didn't make much of it, but then he encountered in, in the... the, the first couple of pages of this breed three he encounters this woman he's like i know you and she has no idea who he is and what purpose the child serves uh is a mystery because the, he seems to have become the target uh from f the breed they, they want to kill this child for some reason we don't know why but i mean as a first issue 
if you're familiar with the other miniseries, it's great to be back. If if not, it's just a great story done by a dude that's been making fantastic comics for decades. And I got to tell you, Starlin has not missed a beat as far as this Breed miniseries goes. There was a, a time uh, a couple years ago, I would say about eight, five to eight years ago, when he's kind of stumbled a little bit. If you've ever seen his weird The Reluctant Warrior, Jim was playing around with... Mm-hmm computer graphics and, and 3D rendering and stuff and trying to incorporate it into his comics and I don't know, it's it just didn't work for me. But there there's some of that in here very briefly with this monolith that floats in the air above um elsewhere, but thankfully it's all Jim drawing. He he draw he writes, pencils, inks, and colors this thing. It's a complete Jim Starlin production. And it's fantastic. If you're uh, familiar with Dreadstar, there are characters that are very reminiscent of the Dreadstar gang in here. Um, and it's, it's, it's stunning to look at. I see a, a lot of rights in, in, in Starland. They're both cut from the same cloth, I think. Um, it, it's gorgeous. And he keeps the computer coloring to a bare minimum, I think. So it's worth seeking out. And it's the first of, I think, six issues? It is a miniseries. It's not an ongoing, but it's well worth the two ninety nine because it's Jim Dam Starlin. And if you don't buy it, he'll probably twist you into a pretzel because he can't. <laughs> yeah. So seek this out. Anybody order this? Did anyone pre-order this? No, Anybody? but I may pick it up. That sounds. That's uh, Star Starlin's cosmic stuff can be awesome. It can be a little, a little too. I don't want to say high high concept, but you know, it's. it's I just kind of want to see more Star Wars type, mm-hmm. type, you know, cosmic. So as as opposed yeah, his, to, um, I think the last thing I read of his was that uh, that Adam Strange stuff that was coming out of the uh, oh, the Mystery in Space. Yeah, which was uh, really good. I thought no, it was pretty cool. Was the stuff that came after that, the 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 stuff that was after. Um, Oh, he did a he did a um, and, uh, don't say Death of Nuga. No, he did countdown. a yeah. Um, don't say that. But it was pretty. He did a weird miniseries, didn't he? With the the the, the characters weird, in it. Oh, oh was the it? Weird, that was, yeah, it was in Mystery in Space. Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mystery in Space. That's right. Very wordy. Just remember being oh, very wordy. yeah, he can be. Yeah, there there's a lot of exposition in this because Ray Stoner has to relate his history to this woman, and so he's got to cover two two miniseries that came before. So and and really, it's it's a nice touch. Starlin actually actually pulls panels. From the previous two miniseries and uses them to illustrate the you know the the past history of this guy. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Probably saved him some time drawing too. But a good Starlin panel is worth seeing twice. Oh, uh, mayhap. That's that's cool. no. Yeah, definitely. I loved it. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's amazing. All these old, not old, but if you can be, consider 1994 old, all these these characters are popping up again. Mm-hmm. There there seems to be a revival of 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 uh you know these guys are making another go they, of it. They yeah. want to work on something that they love and and I yeah. mean, you know we 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 talk about creators enough and and we like to see them work on their own projects and and things like that and it's it it could be high time. I mean if if um obviously he's been thinking about doing breed again for a while but if if nothing happened and 
at Marvel, and if he, you know, if there's nothing, if if DC's not knocking on his door because of of their changes, you know, then the hell with it. He still wants to make comics. I still want to see him make comics. If he's making comics, doing his own thing, that's great. And I, I will definitely get it. I just I did not pre-order it. Yeah, and he uh, kind of tickles the uh, the fanboy. Um, senses a little bit because it, it, the character of breed looks a lot like hank mccoy in some panels mm-hmm. uh, you know mm-hmm. so if if you've been a longtime fan of starlin you'll you'll pick right. out things over his au revoir that you know high points and see, there's little flourishes here like just a, a the twist of the uh the the head looks like hank mccoy there's like I said, characters in here that are very reminiscent of some of the more popular characters in Dreadstar. There's a, there's a, a painting on the wall that looks just like Sizgi from from Dreadstar. Yeah. That's the way it's pronounced. So it's it's very cool. Hey. Gilgamesh too. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. You know, actually, there's there's some similarities between the Gilgamesh character yeah. and Braid. They do look a little bit alike. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, that's cool though. You go, Jim. Yeah. I love his work. And, and there's a little, um, you know how Marvel or DC will do that uh, artist uh, creator commentary page where they just have a creator come in and they ask him a bunch of questions and sure. you know, he, he lets fire. There's a, a Starlin, the third degree with Jim Starlin. Yep. And uh, he says, what is your, um, uh, let's see, what is the single work of which you're most proud? And what would you think? Warlock. Death of Captain Marvel. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, sure. What sure. you should be yeah. most proud of. That's why I thought it was, yeah. so it was a trick question. I thought it was no, a it's it's. I think it's the obvious choice. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Breed three. Well, speaking of beast, dude, y'all got to get off your duffs. And yeah, I know. I was going to ask you about, it, dude. Go see the new X Men movie because it was fucking awesome. Oh, first I've heard first class was really fun. It was really? so much fun, man. Awesome. It was so much fun. I, you know, they completely f with quote unquote continuity, and I loved every second of it. Like, that I mean, fun. it was. Uh, the special effects were terrific. Um, the, the characters were great. They fleshed each of the the, the young quote unquote young X Men out. Um, I mean, Kevin Bacon was great as Sebastian Shaw, and I was yeah. really curious about that because Kevin Bacon's in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sebastian Shaw. So what I think crazy yeah. about it is that you know we've Sebastian Shaw has been drawn pretty consistently. You know his they haven't switched up the way he looks through his, and he does not look like Kevin Bacon. But uh, he no. pulls it off, man. It's cool. And the way they did his special effects was awesome. Um, does he have the brocade jacket on like he does in the comics? Like with the No, because, you know, the, the book takes place in the 50s. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah. Three piece? No, it's 1960. The movie goes, right, the, I should say, the movie sp- starts in, in World War II and goes all the way through, and right, the majority of the movie takes place right around the Cuban Missile Crisis in the 60s, that's right. But we're first introduced to him as Sebastian Shaw. Sebastian Shaw, I guess it is the early 60s, yeah, but he's dressed like in a very mod suit, like an all-white sort of... Um, <laughs> but we're introduced to him at the Hellfire Club. Nice. You know. Is it sexy? It's, yeah, and and uh, and Emma's there, of course, is his white queen. Sexy time. Uh, it, it's I've, was, I've, heard, I've heard she was the worst part of the movie. That's what I've she, heard. She's too. not. Yeah, you know, she's she's a much better actress than she should. Like, if you've never, if you haven't watched Mad Men, and you see this movie, you're gonna think, "Wow, really?" But uh, I mean, she's really good, in Mad Men. I just don't know if she fell out of place or just I don't quite. Yeah, I would agree she was the least. 
she was the worst actor, or at least she had the worst portrayal in the in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and actually, interestingly, she was the only one that I had a a fanboy nitpick with in her power set because uh, this Emma is not just a telepath, but she's got the secondary mutation of turning into right. diamond. And at one point, she's fighting with Magneto, and he wraps metal around her, and her neck starts to crack like glass. Oh. And I was like, "Well, wait a minute, she's supposed to be diamond like that." Would yeah. But whatever, that's you know, that's just yeah. a nip. nerd. So, yeah. so this movie it, it breaks with all the other films. Then this is a yes. fresh start. Uh, well, it it does not break with, and you're gonna laugh with Wolverine Origins. It theoretically is could be in line with that. Well, wasn't because um, that's Emma, one Emma that you want to make sure that you're that you're meshing with. But well, it really doesn't actually, because in Wolverine Origins, he frees a lot of the X Men in their it's right. Modern. So I guess, yeah, it technically... So yeah, okay. So right. I guess you know, now that I think about it, yes, it completely breaks from all the problems. Because, wow. and then, so, so I guess that would also mean that, that Hank doesn't age quickly because he's in X3. Well, again, I mean, to, yeah, it, it definitely has nothing to do with the X movies. Okay. That's a good thing. Really. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's its own movie. So, uh, cool. In this, the, whole found, the, the founding X-Men are not the... They were the original five, yeah. Right, it's... Uh, so... Like um, Mystique and yeah, Mystique's one of the founding. Yeah, I mean uh, Mystique in the in the in the in the film, and I'm hoping hopefully not giving away too much because it's established very quickly. She is uh, Charles's adopted adopted sister. Oh, okay. Grew up together. Wow. He's like her 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 care. You know, he's sufficiently old older than her enough that he's sort of like her caretaker. Huh. She's yeah. So, um, which is pretty cool actually. But the neat thing about it was, even though a lot of it was different than the con- quote-unquote continuity we know from the comics, by the end of the movie, it sets you up to a snapshot, which very well could be not dis- very much dissimilar to the status quo of the first few years of the X-Men comic book. You know? Cool. Oh, it's, that's neat. It was really well done. I, I mean, I can't... It, I, I, just, uh, I just thought it was terrific. I mean, I Matt can't wait. Matt McAvoy was, uh, was a good Charles... He was great. I thought. I thought he excellent. was excellent. That's yeah. cool. Um, the the best guy. And I, I'm sorry. The actor's name escapes me. But uh, was um, uh, Magneto. Oh, uh, Fassbender. Yeah, Michael Fassbender. Right. Yeah. yeah. He was cool. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's Sal saw it. He really enjoyed it. So I I still haven't seen Thor. Same here. Well, so you only have time to see one. See X Men. Okay, that yeah, yeah, that Leave seems it. to be what I've heard. Yeah. Is that it's just just really good. So, you didn't see awesome. Super Eight yet, Vince? I didn't see what? Super Eight. I've heard it's not, good too. Not yet, but I will. Uh, yeah, I will okay. see that too. I will say one thing to those listening that are uh, thinking of going to see it with their kids. I actually went to it by myself, but there were lots of parents with their kids in the theater, um, and. I would say 98% of the movie is perfectly fine for kids in the 8 to 10 year old, you know, range. Mm-hmm. But there is one particular scene in the middle of the film where completely out of nowhere they drop the F-bomb. Wow. Well, really? Definitely freaked parents out. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. It, it really, honestly, again, I, you know, I'm not one for really that's hard. It was PG-13 because they got one out there. Yeah, I don't really care about like like I'm not one that usually gets too bent on about like gratuitous 
sex or violence that doesn't you know but but in this case i have to be objective and say it was for otherwise what i thought was an awesome movie it was pretty gratuitous to have there was, and love it. there was no reason to have it there it really is, and it's a shame because now it's either to like i this is a movie i would love to have the boys watch when it comes on dvd but right. i can't now without like fast forwarding that scene you know, <laughs> not because the abc family yeah exactly exactly yeah. now who if i could who said it? I mean, and was it? I mean, does, was he mad? Was it just right, said let me, it? Let me say, let me just for those listening and want uh, spoilers because I, I don't want to. So, so if you don't want to know who said it, it's a it's a little spoiler in the movie. So I'm going to say spoilers. Fast forward about thirty seconds, and then okay, it was uh, it was um, Wolverine. It was <laughs> it was him. It was the actual what's the guy's name? Uh, the actor Hugh Jackman. It was Hugh Jackman. Oh, he's in it. That scene. Jesus, are you serious? Fast Bender and 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 Xavier and 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 Lencher have to are recruiting a team of young mutants. They they find you know they're they're going around. They're they're using Cerebro and they're finding the you know mutants and they're bringing them together. And so they're going all across the world to find these mutants. And it's actually very cool stuff because you're introduced to each of these mutants in their own sort of setting. Um, but then they, they, of course, obl- I guess the obligatory Marvel tie and they, they walk into a Canadian bar. Uh huh. See a guy holding a cigar and as, as they walk up to him, it's, it's, uh, it, it's Wolverine. You know, they're trying to recruit him, obviously, because they picked him on three, bro. And as they're walking up to talk to him, give him the pitch, he just goes, fuck off. And then. <laughs> So stupid. Yeah, you're tough. You're tough. Seen it would have had no impact on the movie whatsoever. Right. You know, it's it's one of the things that that I I see in almost every one of the Timverse uh, direct to DVD animated movies that there's just like one scene or one line that it's like you just had to throw it in. Someone had to say shit. You got to say damn. Yeah, it's it, not even, I you know damn is you know, whatever. That's that's you know, okay, 1950s that's that's a dirty word, but you know, but yeah, to to drop an F bomb or say shit or or do something that isn't even part of the story but is just just there to like up the street cred or whatever is frustrating. Yeah. But no, but I don't want to again, but it, uh, there was that one moment like I said, so parents beware, but for a two-hour-plus movie, you know, the rest of it was awesome. I mean, I, I loved it to death. Um, and and for, for those thinking, well, Woods is just a big X fan, I, I honestly, I, I liked the first X-Men movie, largely because it was just like the first time of seeing those characters on screen. I really wasn't a huge, I really didn't care too much for the second movie, all that, and, and the third was, I thought, a, an abomination, so <laughs> I don't want to, so don't, don't take my compliments don't. of the movie as, like, homerism, it, it's legitimately, I thought it was much better than Thor, and much better than Iron Man 2. Don't wow. be crooked from the Hulk's universe. What's that? You're crooked from the Hulk's universe. It's an abomination. Exactly. We don't want to muddy those this, two things. This is, what, this is what's going to sell it for Vince, though. I mean, he'll definitely run out and see it. If you tell me as they're going around recruiting mutants, we did see Storm, right? No, no Storm. Oh. Thank, thank, thank the goddess. <laughs> no, no. You know what? Actually, when, when he Frickin puts on storm. the Cerebro for the first time, they have a cool visual of like what, what it's like for him in, you know, to see the, you know, and he's like, you know, it's scanning millions of, of you know, people. And he's like, you know, and as I as they're scanning through, and, and he's like, every now and then they'll stop on on some you know random being, which theoretically you're led to believe is a mutant. They do show a young Aurora. She's like, stealing, like, 
for like five seconds, and they don't. She's, not, she's not pickpocketing something. She's stealing. Yeah. <laughs> coming up on loot. <laughs> that's funny. But uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. That's awesome. I, I'll yeah. probably rent that when it comes out in the uh, the red box. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was great. It was. Uh, I tell you, I, I did like the scene from what I've I saw it in the in the previews where you see uh, Emma in the bed and she morphs into Mystique. Mystique, Mystique. Yeah, that's oh, kind of cool. Oh, okay, yeah. I take it either way. I'd be all right with, with wait, both wait, wait. sides. <laughs> Emma morphs into Mystique. I don't think yeah. there, was there was well, a chicken Myst- bed, but the Mystique's. The, the it, it was Mystique, but she was she was morphed. She was she looked like Emma, and then the the Emma falls away, and you see Mystique laying there. It's in, it was in the preview. I don't know if that was Emma though. I don't know if she was masquerading as Emma. Is is what I'm saying. I, oh, I know, well, who, I exactly she was. She was someone. Guy. Oh no, you know what? Dude, oh, you know, no, you're. Yeah, that wasn't Emma. That was um, that was uh the the uh, uh the the actress who played Mystique in the other movies. Rebecca. Rome. Oh, real. Rebecca oh, really? Stamos. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh, I take that it's too. It's got a, a hard Mystique's in this movie like eighteen nineteen. Right. Oh yeah. She has a thing for Magneto, who's in his, <laughs> you know, thirties in the movie, and he's not trying to hear that because she's so young. So ah. she tries to lock him down one night by being naked in his bed. That's cool. <laughs> in her Jennifer Lawrence, who's the actor in her Jennifer Lawrence sort of human form, and you know, Magneto being Mister Mutant is like, I don't want to see you in that form. Like, I want to see you in your true self. Well, she. So he's like, you know, you, this isn't going to work, and she thinks it's because she's too young. So she morphs into Rebecca Romijn. Like, <laughs> that's, ah, that's awesome. And then he's like, no. And then she turns into her blue self, and he's like, now we're talking. Good. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You want to lick a battery? That, that, that's what he did in the third movie. Because when, when, um, when the dark got her, and, and she basically became human. And then he's walking. Yeah, he wasn't trying to hear that. It's like, yeah, she, she used to be so beautiful, and he just keeps walking. Yeah. And it's funny because the thing I thought that would bother me the most, I didn't mind at all, which was um, instead of Nightcrawler being in the movie, they um, uh, they had a red version of Nightcrawler that was, a, you know, uh, what, what was his? De- Remember that crazy thing where they found out he was the devil? He was that he was a demon's son, and the, what was the demon's name? Um, it wasn't Belasco, was it? No, no. Um, you you know what I'm talking about? It was that whole? It was a whole big storyline. Um, Did it lead to him becoming a priest? Or was it no. was it him? I mean, he was I, a priest before that, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know who you're talking about. You do, you do. Um, was it from Inferno? No, it was. Oh. This was, was, was it like late nineties, early two thousands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, it was. Oh I damn! Nothing. I can't remember. Uh, That's okay. I got nothing. But the point was uh, in the movie. It's it's implied. At least I took it to mean that this is his dad. You know, because it, so we won't see. But uh, but he's he's a red version of Nightcrawler, effectively. But he's a badass. Like you realize what Nightcrawler should have been doing all the time in the in, in X Men. <laughs> he just helps, nice. Right, just kills, like fuck kills like he's like the assassin for Sebastian Shaw. I mean, he kills hundreds of of soldiers because he just keeps bamfing and like he uses like his tail's got a knife. He's holding a knife with his tail and he's just cutting people's throats. And, oh, that's like, pretty neat. Just grabbing guys and then bamfing like up into the. You know, atmosphere like or to the sky, and then dropping them, and then bamfing back onto the ground. Like it's awesome. Like he's That's just like like hundred, hundred guys before they could even get to him. It's it's pretty sweet. He's like nice. crime syndicate nightcrawler. That sound good. He's a crime syndicate nightcrawler. There you go. Cool. Yeah, exactly. 
Christopher. Yes. What do you want to talk about? Azazel. Uh, oh, right. Yes. Azazel or whatever. Yeah, whatever his name is. Okay. pretty cool. Did we have a chance to talk about Frankenstein last week? No, because you shut my ass up. Well, let's talk about it. Well, should, because it's... It's fucking awesome. It was very good. It was really good. I wasn't surprised because it's Lemire. I expected it to be damn good, but uh, Creature Commandos from the middle 80s, mid to late 80s, from, uh, you know, it's a tweak on the Universal Monster formula, the quartet, the Frankenstein monster, and the Dracula is the vampire, and you have a, there's no mummy, though. You know, your creature from the Black Lagoon, yeah. which it's it's very cool. And um, I don't believe that the uh, Frankenstein Agent of Shade is going to be attached to this in any way. I think it will. I, I, th- I think this is its own be. little thing. I, I it, think that's going to come out of this. Yeah, book, I, mean, I would have thought so. Um, I hope so. But from this first issue, it doesn't look like uh, didn't. It seemed to me like there was going to be a connection. I, you're probably right, mm-hmm. but uh, there, he's playing it real slow and cool, and that, that's what I liked about it. I mean, you, you had Frankenstein spoilers running around killing Hitler. <laughs> you, you know, you, you don't see it; it happens off-panel. But Frankenstein busts into this this uh, bunker, and Hitler's in there with his his. Uh, Ava. No, I didn't see Ava, and, and uh, you know it's Hitler's with the old mind got, and then the next panel, <laughs> you, see, you, see, yeah. you see you see the knife come down. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, but why, I, I, what did you like about it? Uh, I was. Are you kidding me? Nineteen nineteen forties, and then throw in the, the the creature commandos. You know, World War Two story, and then you've got the the, the okay. Here, the only thing I I didn't like is that. How many times have we seen the, we're going to put them in suspended animation, and then they wake up present day? I mean, we've, we've seen that. That's cool, though. We've seen that a lot. And so it's, 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 a, it's a convenient way to, to take older characters and then kind of fast forward them to, to modern times. And so I was, yeah, I was all right with that. But, uh, um, what what can happen next and and then you throw in the whole thing that this is this is happening in the flashpoint universe so you have no idea what can happen and who they can run into and um so that's yeah it's 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 pretty cool and i hope that the i hope that the frankenstein agent of shade does come out of this in one way. I mean, we we don't know what's going to happen with the end of Flashpoint and and the relaunch and into how much of the universe is going to be kind of reset or 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 what. But uh, no, I'm 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 digging the fact that uh, that Jeff is is doing this and he seems to have a a really good grasp on the character. And uh, yeah, I I yeah. thought it was great and it looked pretty too. Yeah, there's Ibram Roberson. Yeah. yeah, there's a a twist on the old uh, creature commandos, though. I mean, he did bring the GI robot into it, but uh, awesome. yeah, this Crane character in in the original stories, Crane was was one of the good guys, and obviously not in in this. 
So, I mean, he knows his creature commando's history, and he's, he's tweaking it a little bit for this mm-hmm. Flashpoint. Does anyone know who that German superhero was? I have no idea who that is. The one that he killed in, like, one panel? Yeah. No, I don't think it mattered, though. <laughs> it's like well, I mean, Mr. You, Nazi. It's it, like, it is, it is DC, <laughs> though, so, I mean, it's not just a, a... I don't think it's a cast-off character. I'm sure it's uh, a... Uh, a reworking of someone but i mean it's really cool uh frankenstein uh, barges in and he's about to go into the bunker and this german superhero I mean, he's got swastikas all over him and an iron cross <laughs> with an eagle and he says ha you americaners use beasts to fight your battles no matter come to me jigsaw man come feel this that's a russian accent come feel the strength and glory of the motherland squeeze the life from your the frankenstein says shut up and he just impales the guy on his sword <laughs> yeah i mean the guy the guy had a, a panel and a half of screen time and that's it so that's enough yeah, it's all he's yeah, worth really yeah, no, no more for him no more for him so no, I he, thought it was I thought it was awesome. I'm really looking forward to the what's so it's gonna be a three issue series. Yes, mm-hmm. which is yeah. nice. I, I like ni- three issues is nice. That's uh, what also, all all these are. And I've I've been yeah. I've been I've been reading as many of them as as I can. The uh the Emperor Aquaman um was was pretty good and then the um um uh the Deathstroke, the the pirate deathstroke. Mm-hmm. That was that was all right. So yeah, I mean, I, I, the Frankenstein has been the best far and away, and, oh, and the rest yeah, of them by by far. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they range from from fantastic like Frankenstein to pretty abysmal. I mean, I've read a couple of the Flashpoint tie-ins that were just like, ugh, it was yeah, it was all, yeah. all I could do to get through them. Yeah, uh, I agree. you know the thing that's that's bothering me is. And and I know Johns is probably going to get to it in the third issue, but here it is, a five-issue miniseries. It's Flashpoint proper, five-issue miniseries. If you only read the first two issues, you have absolutely no idea why Wonder Woman and, and uh, Aquaman are going at it. Yes, there, there's there's no clue. I'm, it's in the uh, like the Emperor Aquaman issue. Then you you find out that okay, they were. Uh, on the altar to get married when something happened and i think uh hera got killed right aquaman's well, not hera um mara uh, no no it was no it was hippolyte it was wonder uh, woman's mother Hippolyta. right it was yeah. oh, well, you she got she right she got killed and so obviously the the amazons blame it on the atlanteans the atlanteans blame the so that's why they're going at it but you would have absolutely no inkling that that's from the main miniseries i think that's kind of sloppy well i mean it's it's how much how much fucking exposition do you need you know jeff johns is is already kind of a a main offender in that in that regard that all you really have to know is that the atlanteans and 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 the amazons are at war right i (laughs) It's a huge uh, backdrop you, to the story. What? what? It, it's what, a it's a major part of the story. All you have to know is that they are at war. For the Flashpoint series, that's all you need to know, because that mm, is not the know. main storyline. The main storyline is how did things change, and so the fact that 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 Aquaman and Wonder Woman are at war with each other in Europe is it, really all it does is show how different and fucked up the world is the main story is what zoom did to change history that's the story wow what 
I I disagree. I, th- I why, think when, when you when why, you have why do you disagree. What is what is the story of Flashpoint? This whole Flashpoint world is based on what is on, the story of Flashpoint? The for, story of Flashpoint so far in these two issues seems Barry Allen trying to come to terms with what Zoom did to him. Right, but if you throw a character into a world that is on the verge of apocalypse because Wonder Woman is fighting Aquaman and you don't tell them why. That's a big question, Mark. Barry doesn't know. But it shaped the whole world. Barry that's, doesn't know, so why should you? That's weak, dude. No, it's not. <laughs> the, the, what, yeah. Barry wasn't there. What, the you, need, you need to have everything spoon-fed to you. And oh, so my you God. Wow. Oh, are you, you, are you shitting me? Seriously. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Hey, I mean, you, you said it, if you want, I mean, that's the thing about these events. We can't have it both ways. The Flashpoint series, this is it. Barry has been thrown into a world that is drastically different than, than his world. What happened? That's the story of Flashpoint. If you want to know everything else about what's going on, then read the tie-ins. I got to start with my brother Chris here on this one. Um, wow. No, because, dude, he's right. Like, the story is about the Flash and what happens from that point on. Like, it's not, like, it's pretty clear that they make it very clear in the beginning that it's a different world, and it's a world where, for some reason, the Amazons and the Atlanteans are at war. Like, that. that's really, I think his point is, at by the end of the story, I doubt that the reason for why they're at war is going to be germane to Flashpoint. Because they knew that some people would want to know, though, they put out a three-issue mini, which explains yeah. it. And what and whatever the the outcome of that war is, will have probably not much to do with how Barry sets the time stream, either either correct or or does whatever happens to get us out of Flashpoint and into the new status quo. Well, Aquaman is not going to stay a scar-faced emperor of Atlantis who's at war with the Amazons. We already know that because Jeff Johns is writing a series that has Aquaman in his, you know, traditional, you know, challenge of the super friends. Um, well, I don't uh, think it's you know, that's that's the point. If these characters are going to stay the way they are in this miniseries, obviously they're not. But on the, I mean, to my point. They spent so much time with Cyborg and Shade and, and the Shazam kids on the top of the rooftops. They couldn't, he couldn't just put like one dialogue or two dialogue balloons saying in there, yeah, well, you know, it didn't end well. All this is because of the wedding failure between Aquaman. Like I'd just one little thing. That, that I, I thought there was way too much setup and exposition in the first issue. Way too much. And the second issue dialed dialed that back a little bit and that's why i liked it more but the first issue i thought stumbled terribly out of the gate because of all the exposition because of all the explanation and to throw more of that in you know fucking you gag me with a paper spoon it's i don't want that throw me into the world and let's i i want to see i want to see what happens i don't want to know why it's happening i want to you know, it's 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 what we talk about with Hickman sometimes. It's show, don't tell. Wow. 
if I wanted to read the the 800 page history of why the Themyscarians and the Atlanteans are at war, then you know I'll I'll ask for for that in the novelization. I, I don't yeah, want to know. It wouldn't that. it wouldn't take 800 pages to tell. The no, it, it took it took twenty pages in the Emperor Aquaman issue. So there you go. You have it. If you want to know, it's there. Yeah. So, okay. I, right. I, yeah, I got I, I got to be with Chris on this one. I, I don't. I think it's. It, do I think it would be cool if they had thrown a page in there to explain it? Yeah, but I don't really. I think, think it's going to come in the third issue because uh, is an Aquaman on the cover of the third issue? So you're you're pre- he's probably going to. You know, throw in a little info in there. So How I'm many just saying, is this thing? Five. Yeah, five. It's five. So, yeah. what, what month is it? <laughs> June. Yeah. Well, they're okay. putting the last two out. They're putting two out in the month. Four and five. Yeah. The same month. Yeah. <laughs> they got a lot of shit to do in three issues. They got to you get on that fucking horse, man. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing uh, with well, um, um, we've been talking DC a lot the last two weeks. Hey, y'all. Um, why can fear itself? We talked about, well, we talked that, about last that last week. week too. Yeah, we did. Uh, loving it actually, but uh, at least not trying to hear yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, why why don't we drive the bus in another direction? How about that? Let's see what we got here. We're at one fifty two. We still got some time. Well, uh, I, I'm for. Our, well, go ahead, Jason. I expect that you're all going to read this, and we are going to have to spend a lot of time talking about it at some point. Because if you didn't order it, then you're all busters. Uh, and that is. Uh, by Mr.'s, Messrs. Cullen Bunn, Sean Lee, and Matt Kent, the tooth. Oh, it comes tomorrow. I can't wait. Right. Well, I read it already, and I will save the gushing, but it was fucking awesome. Cool. It was badass. Uh, I mean, you know, Cullen obviously has been killing it on Six Gun. He's got a lot of Marvel stuff coming out. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, Matt, seeing Matt, who is, you guys know, I'm a huge fan of, to see him illustrate something he didn't write i was curious to see how it would work and uh he didn't misbeat um and and he had uh either a lot or all to do with the the book the the treatment of the book the 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 cover the packaging the you know the uh so i mean it's it looks very it in all senses it's a matt kent book you know he just didn't do the plotting obviously but uh oh man it was awesome you guys got to read it so we can talk about can't it. can't wait i cannot wait cool i want to take a minute to talk about 3D urine. Is that okay? A minute? Go. <laughs> yeah, just just a minute. Uh, I, I am, of watch. course, talking about Crossed 3D. Oh, uh, I got the hardcover. I'm not going to get into the uh, specifics of the book because if, uh, judging from the title, this is a Crossed book, uh, it's pretty safe to say that it is loaded with uh every kind of uh debauchery you can think of uh cannibalism mutilation weird sex uh jeez uh, exploding heads uh, vomiting children um it just it it's it it really pushes the envelope of is good it? taste which is why I like it but I don't want to talk about the content I want to talk about the 3D process used in this book for a minute. Because usually when you see oh, a 3D... Well, you're getting shitty and you only have 18 seconds left, so... I got all the time I want. You said a minute. Keep... You have a clamp, dude. Nine. Well, David, tell us what you thought across 3D. 
Uh, oh, my bad. Uh, you read uh, Sorry. I must, uh, I, I must have it at the bottom of all these stacks here. Sorry. Oh. What, do you, what, do you, what did you read then that you were loving? Oh, man. You know what I really dug? Because it was kind of different than what the first issue would lead me to think it would be, and that would be uh, Blue Estate number two. Okay. And I was... Uh, I was quite pleased. I mean, for one thing, we don't see uh, the schlub of a detective in the issue. Uh, but the um, it we're, we're it's neat in the sense that we pick up with a story that started in the first issue, but we're introduced to newer characters, to new characters, and and um, it's it. I don't know if it's going to become a clusterfuck. I just I. I read it and I was like, I just. Well, I mean, as far as like, we're throwing a lot of people in the mix here, and, right. and everything. It's 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 becoming like a. Um, I I'll, I'll think like like when Wood mentioned it last time, like where you know, a Tarantino style movie where everybody's going to end up coming together at the end. Lives do intersect here and there, and and uh, and I I when uh, Rachel is an AA and meets Johnny and then find out what Johnny does on the side, which I thought was a pretty neat thing. And, and, uh, it, and then for some reason we just cut to, well, I don't want to say for some reason, but now we're at a strip club and, and something goes awry there. And then, you know, it ends with a pretty, pretty interesting cliff here because I'm hoping that we kind of get to see what happens when he says, bring him into the back. But, um, if it stays, true to form as far as how the first issue into the second issue went, then um, I don't know if it's going to leave off the third issue with what happens. It might just kind of be... While, while, Becky, while Rachel was um, was on the phone when at, in the first issue, you know, we cut back to that in the second issue. So I kind of like the way he's also telling the story, the way he's, he's messing around with the timeline. I'm, I'm, I had... I, I said when I ordered it to begin with, I had no idea what the hell I was getting. Didn't know what to expect. I had uh, just figured I'd try something different, and I'm not disappointed yet. Nice. I'm glad to hear that, only because uh, I, I've i been ordering it, and I haven't read the second issue out of trepidation. I like the second issue a lot. I like the second yeah, issue so, uh, first. I'm going to be all playing it. The cover of the third issue is phenomenal. Covers have been great. Yeah. yeah. Great, yeah. All right, back to the cross 3D real quick. Right. You have, when, I think, according to Crit, you have 14, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. two and a half seconds. When, 12, when, David, David will testify that whenever yeah. we've seen a 3D project in the past from, from any publisher, mm -hmm. the name Rayzone has been attached to it. Oh, yeah. And there's a certain style of cutting up these layers for the 3D process where... Yes, there are, is depth within the panel, but you can tell that the elements have been sequestered into layers. The, the things that are closest to you would be on the topmost layer, and those layers are flat. I mean, you guys, you guys have seen 3D work. You know what I'm talking about, where you, you see these flat elements, almost as if someone took an X-Acto knife, carved out a part of the panel, put that on a special layer. Then they carved out another part of the panel, put that on another layer, and you get the illusion of depth. The 3D in this book is not like that. It's very strange. Not ineffective, but it's just different. It, it seems like the artwork has been 
placed like a blanket on this surface that has been pushed up from behind like if you if you had you know that fondant stuff that cake boss is always oh, using yeah, that sure. real malleable stuff if you took your hand and pushed up underneath a, uh, a flat piece of fondant and made these little mountainous shapes where uh you know you would push the farthest for the stuff that's in the foreground and so on into the background and then you dropped your artwork on it like a blanket and the artwork would conform to the peaks and the valleys and then go up that's what the 3d in this book looks like it's really strange but but there's a weird byproduct like there, there, there's no identifiable layers it's all like fingers coming at you but a, of different elevations there's a weird byproduct of it each panel is like a window box Mm-hmm. where the artwork is attached to the top and the bottom of the box going into the distance. So it's it's like the artwork adheres to the top of the box in perspective and then down and then in. So you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's almost like you're looking into an enclosure, and it's kind of strange because it warps the artwork. The closer it gets to the periphery of the panel, the the more warpage you get. You have to see it to fully appreciate what I'm saying, but they're almost, each panel is almost like a window, window box, and it's really strange, but it's not altogether unpleasant. Well, the events of the book are, but the 3D isn't. It's kind of cool. I've never seen 3D like this before. In, in, in my, in, I'm, I'll buy a 3D book sight unseen. I love 3D books. And this is unlike anyone I've seen ever. That's saying something. I don't know how they did it. I wish they, they included something in the hardcover detailing the process, but they don't. Hmm. It, it's it's just a hardcover version of the, the softcover uh, edition. But there's, there's, there's one part where the, the cross commandeer this gas tanker because they, they need it to do something, and it's being dragged by crossed crossed slaves. And they're pulling pulling this gas tanker, and there's a dude that's whipping the slaves into a frenzy and he seems to have had his penis forcibly removed because where his what what should be there's a gaping gaping a gaping hole right and and there's a there's a panel where and it's a it's a, a medium shot of the dude looking down so it's a bird's eye view of the dude and from the gaping hole he's urinating on one of the characters Oh, God. So so the urine is like streaming into the reader's lap in 3D. It's awesome. I, I saw that. It's like, oh, that's worth the fourteen ninety nine alone. Oh, that panel, right? There. <laughs> but it's like this 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 void where his penis was, and it's just <laughs> it's nasty. <laughs> Cross 3D, written by David Lapham, and and drawn oh, by Gian- Gianluca Pagliarni. Pagliarani, yeah, it's it's effective, but it's yeah, it's not something you would want to you know pass across the kids. It's 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 vile. Take take them out to read it after they watch uh, X Men First Class. It is vile. I mean, there's the kids in this thing are the scariest part. But it, I like Crossed. I, yeah, I don't have to tell you that. And Lapham seems to have, I don't know, racism issues. Because there's more of that in here. I mean, I never. Did you get the opinion from um, Stray Bullets that 
Lapham, he either either the the topic of racism fascinates him because it seems like in a lot of his books there's a lot of characters that that are very racist. Maybe it's just an easy character to write. I don't yeah, know. I, th- I think he likes to kind of cut to the bone with with stuff like that. Yeah, there's you know, yeah. And, you know, I you know racism is in the world, and I it's think prevalent. That, that he tries to be right in your face with stuff. So, in the face. I think I yeah. talked about the past three Avatar books. I've talked about had the N word in it. Yeah, hmm. that's that's yeah. Get your attention. Get your attention. It yeah, does. I wonder why they can't uh, break that one percent market share. Well, but, it's all the, yeah. it's all this. It's all, all the, they're almost up to one percent. It's all the sick puppies like me buying the shit. Well, at least there's one, yeah, one percent of you out there. <laughs> hey, everybody! This feel-good episode of Eleven O'clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can find your funny books at far below retail, thirty-five to seventy-five percent off. They are absolutely, positively the best. And don't forget about the Summit City Comic Con this weekend. SummitCityComicCon.com. In your travels, ape not kill ape. Remember that. And and while you're you're walking around with that in your head, go and pick up Planet of the Apes number two. Haven't read it yet. Oh my god! Tickled pink at how good this series is. I had I had high expectations. This issue is rock solid verifiable proof that the first issue was definitely not a fluke. Nice, nice. It was yes. a pleasant surprise, man. Written by Daryl Gregory, illustrated by Carlos Magno, who does the impossible. As an illustrator, if you told me, you know, I want you to illustrate this character, uh, a, a hysterical character, like human features are, are difficult enough to eke some kind of emotion out of the reader. This guy's doing it with monkeys and gorillas that's incredibly hard it, it's just it's an amazing achievement and, and i'm so proud of well this may be blasphemy for all you longtime apes fans but uh the previews to this new one actually look like the first apes movie i want to go see really yeah it looks pretty dope i think i mean nice. I, I i'm imagining people that love the originals probably are th- screaming at their iPods well, right now. I mean, well, it's, it, it's kind of like Doctor Who. It's a it's a product of its time, and if you were there, then you love it and you're nostalgic for it. But yeah, it's the the first Planet of the Apes that that would be a hard sell on on you know someone. Well, this that's movie's all about seeing the, how it how it happened. The apes turning from apes into you know more intelligent creatures and the dominant the dominant species yeah and that's cool like i always wondered how that happened so that's cool well cornelius better be in it yeah yeah he is he's the yeah cool yeah i love the apes movies goes without saying uh and and again the 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 first movie is a a real departure from pierre brulee's book i mean it's almost like night and day so yeah there you go there's that but yeah planet of the apes number two astounding uh uh, Carlos Magno, is it Magno or Magno? Magno? No, yeah, it's Magno. Uh, I'm definitely, he's definitely in the running of uh, my for my eleven o'clockers. This thing is fantastic. All right, uh, in your travels. Oh, and last week, 
even though you guys were giving me a little bit of shit about the United States of Terra in this last week's episode, Patton Oswalt, who is a, a character on it, um, uh, is reading and actually mentions that he's reading Planetary, which I thought was kind of well, cool. That's cool. Wow. Which brings Wait, they really me- get all the lookers on that show, huh? Yeah, you know? Man. If- you know what, Jason? Not everyone in well, real life is is a is a is a, a number ten model. Well, what are we talking about? Well, no, but he's I mean, not he's not down with Tony Collette. Again, oh, there, there's there's is. a big there's a big difference between uh, we're talking about a ten and Tony Collette. <laughs> <laughs> but that that brings me to something. Last Maybe week, her personality added up to a ten. When I, when I was doing the show notes for last week, I screwed up on like I think three things that I had no idea what they were. If you guys are going to talk about something and you hear me say, I don't know what that is, just <laughs> just tell me, uh, just, pe- yeah, how, what the hell is the name of it? Like, cause I put United States of Terra, T-E-R-R-A. Like, how the hell do I know? I'm, I'm stupid. And then somebody said, oh, is that like the same thing as the Terra? Yeah. You know, I was like, okay. I screwed yeah. up. It happens. You, you, you should see it. You would like it. I think it was uh, And another thing <laughs> that I've mentioned before, and, and I'm plugging, yes, that other show. Um, if you haven't read God Hates Astronauts yet, you're missing out. Go to GodHatesAstronauts.com. <laughs> and then if you're in the Chicago area tomorrow, Friday, come on out for the Around Comics recording because Ryan Brown is going to be sitting in with us. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to yes. send you a bill for advertising. No, sure. right. no. It's just possible. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, never mind. I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say? Come on, do it. That other show may have sent a listener or two this way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you prick. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. It's, it's true, though. You know what he's talking about. <laughs> Go ahead, in your travels. Uh, in your Jeez. travels, I'm going to, I, I, um, I, I I love my buddies. I I I listen to what they say, and 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 I may not jump at it, jump on it when when they talk about it, because I I wait for hype to die down, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I just don't want shit to taint, <laughs> what, <laughs> taint. how I'm gonna feel about it. So I uh, I'm going to recommend if you haven't that uh, you all go out and uh, buy yourself some American Vampire. Nice boy. Now you're talking. Hell yes. Did anyone read the the uh The Rival of the Fittest? Yes. Dude, I just started. I finished the first book. I'll talk about what I've read next week. American Vampire. So Jason, I got a little something in your travels. You know, the uh the much anticipated DC Solistus came out for September. Uh, and I think probably 98% of people's focus was on the, understandably so, the 52 new number ones. Mm-hmm. But you would be making a grave error, my friends, if you only stopped there. Because a little bit further down their solicits was the thing you absolutely need to buy. Fuck the 52 new number ones. In honor of the long departed but not forgotten Antonio Projas. You got to get the complete spy versus spy omnibus that they're putting out. Oh, Ooh. fucking awesome! I love spy versus spy. My boys love spy versus spy. When they put on the Mad TV show, they I think they don't get ninety eight percent of it, and then the spy versus spy comes and they get giddy, uh, and they're finally collecting this. Um, also, for you Mad lovers, um, they're also collecting. Uh, it looks like a very similar trade dress to the awesome Don Martin complete. They're doing the complete. 
uh, it's every gatefold ever from uh, yeah, Alex Jones Cafe. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, it, it looks awesome. It's like 200 bucks though. So I'm going to do what I think I should have done with the Don Martin, which I bought for for full price, <laughs> which was wait and see if like the bookstores carry it for massive discount. When right, right. You're going to have to buy two because you're going to want to fold the shit out of them. I right? know, I know. I was thinking about that. My collector bug was like, well, wait a minute. What's the point of this? I don't want to fold this beautiful book up, but, but uh, yeah. So, but no, but but uh, you definitely hook up the uh, Prohibit Spy versus Spy because uh, it's just classic, classic comics. Comic truth. Comics. It is true. Or Spy versus Spy. How yep. could you not? Gray Spy's hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do, do we have to end it? I want to talk about more stuff. You're the one that fucking wrapped it up midstream. Because you know, like, Chris was getting antsy pantsy. So I said, hey. Fancy. Yeah. All right. Hey, yep. everybody, come back next week, please, and we'll be here waiting for you. Yeah, at least we reset the bar. No, I thought this yeah. episode was no, yeah. I thought we were good. Back where we belong, middle of the pack. League average. Uh, I don't know about that. I thought it was good. Chris had to get all bizarro with that freaking Flashpoint stuff, but otherwise it was pretty good. <laughs> Chris was 100% right on that. Not, oh, you're in cahoots. <laughs> well, I call it like I see it. His, right his, his feelings were hurt in the thread yesterday, so it's all right. See, Dap agreed with me, but he didn't want to make it seem like we were just ganging up on you. Dap did not agree with you. I can I can verify that, that he did not. Uh, just because he ain't reading it. He is. He's reading it. I read the first two issues of Flashpoint. See that? And he asked me, he sent me a PM, he said, what the fuck's up with Wonder Woman and, and, and Aquaman? I did not, you <laughs> fucking liar. So I said, I don't know, maybe it's fleshed out in one of the Flashpoint maybe. miniseries. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Oh, God. That's great. Now I know, no, I know you're all in. <laughs> Having a good time, everybody. Thank you for being here. I said that before, didn't I? Yeah. So we're out. We're gone. We're out. That's it. Out. Say bye-bye. Yes, Zach. Big luck. <sighs> Good going.